backwards compatibility. Don't get your hopes up. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Sawbridge is bringing you guys lucky episode 97. Since we were wrong last week, as we were told, we realized that once we got, me and Saul were talking about it afterwards, because he listens to the episodes over uh, after we put them out. I don't. Quality so I'm control glad, check. Glad he, he does it. It goes to show you the fun of cold intros. So I guess, you know, we've never really talked about the way we go about recording, but we record the cold intro before the intro, literally. Uh, we just, you know, quickly think about what we want to say. And Saul was going to say, get your hopes up. <laughs> and then I said, are you sure you don't want to say, don't get your hopes up? He's like, no, nah, man, I got it. And then immediately when he says it, he accidentally said, don't get your hopes up. So you know what? It's meant to be imposed as a question like possibly this is coming. Yeah, fun times though. Anyway, if you've never joined us before, we are, like we said, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. You can find us on video format every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST on YouTube. If you like what we're doing over there, give us a subscribe, hit the bell notification, let you know when these episodes go live, as well as our reader mails that go live every other Friday uh, and anything else we start doing. As we work towards kind of changing the channel from being Nartech Gaming into Nartech, uh, because as patrons of us have seen, uh, or patrons of our general channel, Nartech, have seen we've been working on an off-topic podcast that we are probably going to start doing bi-weekly. We're trying to figure out scheduling for that right now, but we wanted to kind of do a proof of concept that we released uh, as essentially episode zero to our patrons. Uh, so thanks for the feedback on that that we've gotten. We appreciate it. And I think I had a ton of bl- I had a, a ton of fun doing it, and I think Blaze did really well. Uh, so I think we're in a good spot to go ahead and move forward with it. But anyway. That's all stuff that you can see on YouTube if you subscribe over there. If you want to listen to all this in audio format only, you can do so on any podcast service. I hope now we just recently added ourselves to Stitcher and TuneIn. Uh, those are two that I was unaware of that you have to manually add your, um, you know. What is this, 2008? Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. for a reason. But with all that said, you can find us on, hopefully, and if you know of one that was not, then just tell us, but most podcast providers... Uh, and you can find us, of course, whether you're on uh, an Android or an Apple phone, doesn't matter. You can find us on a computer. You can listen to us however you want to. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. That's our handle. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. If you ask to join that group, we'll gladly accept you in. Those are the two main places that we take questions for the reader mail episodes that we do biweekly, though we also do them from uh, YouTube. They're not guaranteed to be answered. We'll like them if we think they're great questions. And, of course, if you support us on Patreon, which you can do so at uh, patreon.com slash nartech, uh, you can get your questions asked, or you can ask your questions there. I'll try and keep up with the post there. Though I did miss it last week, so sorry, patrons. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3 has ruined everything for me. And the uh, the questions go for all YouTube videos we do. So if it's a reader mail or a Triangle Squared episode, or if we put the off-topic podcast on there, uh, if you ask us a question in any of those, uh, we'll like it. So you don't think you're bound to uh, an episode of oh, any yeah, particular yeah. kind. And, you know, Saul's Never Fret, Never Fear will answer all ep- uh, questions. We just had a crazy amount last week, and we were wanting to play Kingdom Hearts. Uh, so, you know, we have told our the two people that we ended up kind of taking their banked questions uh, and separated them out. We appreciate y'all giving us bank questions, but alas... This is not the reader mail episode, so I guess we'll go ahead and go into this. And Saul, the way we always start start the show, what have you been playing? I think I know the answer because of, of course, the fact that we've been playing since 
I, I've been playing yeah, pretty much recorded. all Kingdom Hearts, but I'm also kind of sick. I don't know. Can you hear that in my voice? It's always weird when it comes to your own voice. Yeah, I can hear it okay. slightly. It's not terrible, but it's there. But uh, I've been <clears> sick uh, since Wednesday, so I really got to play a lot on Tuesday for Kingdom Hearts. And then Wednesday, I tried to play a little bit, but I ended up kind of, kind of nodding off due to the NyQuil. Okay. So Thursday, I uh, didn't get to play any. Yesterday I was off, which was Friday. I got to play probably four hours of it. Uh, rookie numbers, boy. You got to get them up. Gotta... I didn't feel good. I, I literally <laughs> you, can't, you can't slam in the big leagues, pop, man, if, you, pop, if you're going to put those numbers in. I popped my earbuds in, and then I listened to some Shinigami, and then I fell asleep. And then I woke up, and then we went to Domino's. So and you weren't playing Kingdom Hearts, but you were feeling it in your soul. I was feeling it in my soul. I got you. Shinigami. But that's I, honestly <clears> really it. Like I did play a little bit of Destiny 2, but not really enough to even bring up. I played like less than an hour of destiny 2 okay and i really did that because one of my friends that we played destiny with joe uh i saw him playing kingdom hearts and i noticed that we both started it up at the same time on tuesday and then we both jumped or he jumped on a destiny 2 and then i was like i'll go play with destiny 2 with joe for a little while to kind of wrap my night up and then he like he started at the same time i did and we got to the exact same spot at the same time like we literally stopped at the saving spot in the second world so okay that's pretty much it random happenstance huh yeah or maybe you and joe are the same person that have been split apart feels like it. you're your light you're the light version and he's the dark version of you that's you know little, vin vanitas that's you're a little racist uh first of all that's just on the nose observation sir um <clears throat> who's who's to say light and dark is any bad you know in terms of kingdom hearts terms that's, I love talking about Kingdom Hearts anyway when you think about that. because That's it's what I'm like, trying to beat. Like, I really want to know. Obviously, we're not going to do any spoilers at all. No, yeah, but obviously uh, that's what I've been playing too. But what I was getting at with that is I was telling someone the other day uh, about you know what makes, I think, Xehanort such an interesting bad guy is that I, his actions are obviously like evil, but when you think about the motivation behind his actions, that's why I like t- talking about good and evil is that the whole thing for him is just balance. Especially. As far as he's concerned, light has had too much of a stronghold on the world for too long. And he wants to see it balanced and he wants to recreate the world in his image of perfect light and dark balance. And I think that's pretty interesting because it's easy to understand why someone would want that because, you know, sometimes I think humans are like we are, we're a little tendency. Humans tend to want to be kind of optimistic most of the time. Which, you know, when you're thinking about the metaphor of how it goes in, it's like we like to be light, but at the same time there's the realistic aspect of world coming in and not always being matching with the optimism that you're putting out there. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing because you can see why, you'd, why you know, at least analytically, if you are, are a logical person, you're like, okay, I see why he'd want balance. What's Too int- much of anything is bad. What's interesting is that even though he craves a completely equal world, Kingdom Hearts requires almost a double amount of darkness yeah. compared to light. Yeah. Or at least that the Keyblade does. Well, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. But I, Yeah. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts has been about all I've been playing, too. I don't think I've played literally Gosh. anything else. Uh, at least, I mean, obviously we played Anthem after we recorded the last episode, if you don't listen to the reader mails. But outside of that, man, once Kingdom Hearts got in, that's about it. I don't think I've played anything else. So, we can quickly move away from that section. But now it's time to <clears throat> hop into the drop. Drop to the hop. Nope, hop into the drop. So for those that don't know, this is this week's PlayStation releases across all of its platforms. First up on the list, we have Access Denied for PS4 and PS Vita, across by title. We have Ages of Mages, The Last Keeper for PS4. Away, Journey to the Unexpected for PS4. Crisis VR Brigade. So Crisis V Brigade, basically. I guess it's trying PSVR. to say Brigade, but 
Like Brigade? I was going to say Brigade with a V. It's a basically. bad name. I don't think it, it's, it's a... It doesn't flow. Elk Simulator. What? For PS4. Evo Land Legendary Edition for PS4. Fear of Bugs, the Fear Experience for PSVR. <laughs> Glass Masquerade for PS4. God Eater 3 for PS4. The Mage's Tale for PSVR. Melbit's World for PS4. Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game 2. There was a first one? For PS4. We're missing out, man. Pipe Push Paradise for PS4. Pro Fishing Simulator for PS4. Rage Room for PS4. PSVR, I'm sorry. Riot Civil Unrest for PS4. Shanky the Vegan's Nightmare for PS4. Spike Volleyball for PS4. And that's the last one on the list. I'm not afraid to say it. There's a lot of names in that in that uh, this week's releases that are just really bad titles. They're bad titles in terms of names. Yeah, I don't know if they're some, bad games, but I'd, no, do, no, yeah, exactly. I'd be willing to wager. <laughs> really bad titles. You know, I'm, I'm so disappointed that I already can tell you just by looking at the picture behind Elk Simulator. And I, just because of the name. It's not what I wished it would be, which is, don't get me wrong, it's stupid, but essentially Go Simulator as an elk, doing walking around as an elk doing stupid stuff. How do you know stuff. that? Like, do you think it's a hunting game? Or? <clears throat> I'm 99% positive it's an elk hunting game. <laughs> Why is it called Elk Simulator then? Because you're simulating elk hunting, but it still should be called Elk oh, Hunting goodness. Simulator. <clears throat> what is this? Okay, there's some really bad images on Google for Elk Simulator. <laughs> I don't think It looks that. like 2005 Steam games. Um, okay, all right. Brett, why don't you hop into the news? All right, news is interesting more than anything this time around. Let's see. First thing out, uh, Sony has sent out beta invites for PS4 firmware 6.50, the previous firmware beta testers, so they did not have a sign-up period for this one. The email claims that the update, quote, does not include any new major consumer-facing features, end quote. So it looks like, as far as I can tell here, there was no sign up for it. They just sent it to people uh, because they started the beta program. I assume that this is probably excuse me uh, signaling the end of actually big PlayStation Four firmware updates as we look forward to next gen and PS Five. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that makes sense. It doesn't. It's not. It's easy to think that the PS Four has been around and like you know. I guess because we're more tuned into it, it feels like it's been almost a shorter time than other things. Yeah. At the same time, it feels like it's been a long time. So I think it's, that it'd be mixture. reasonable if we don't get any new real major features as far as firmware goes at this point. It's ma- it's reached <clears throat> max stability. It can't go any further. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think so. You just wait. And when 6.51 comes out to increase that system stability even more, just when you thought it couldn't go any further, they find a way. Uh, next up, Square Enix have revealed the new playable race for the Shadowbringers expansion of Final Fantasy XIV Online. So if you play that, uh, or if you have played it before, there you go. It's called the Vera, as far as I can tell, uh, is what it looks like. Uh, they also revealed a raid created by Yoko Taro and Yosuke Saito, Yosuke Saito that is inspired by Nier Automata, so that's pretty cool. Uh, they had like a little picture of the race wearing what, as far as I could imagine, it looked like they were 2B, or at least near automata related clothing uh i like that pretty cool uh, and i like the idea of a raid being done by that That's I, what I thought how do raids work out in 14 online uh the viera or the rabbit race from 12 okay that's what i thought i was like that that sounds too familiar raids though they uh they work out in so terms viera. okay that makes sense yeah of like dungeons i guess quote unquote where it's 12 men two tanks uh four dps i'm pretty sure uh, it's four healers. Like I don't, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, and you don't have to glue to those numbers, right? You can. I mean, obviously you'd want to, but does the game force you? I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Um, 
I've never entered a dungeon or a raid without. I got really like I've only ever done one of the twelve man dungeon raids or whatever they're called. I don't even think what I did was a raid technically. I'm pretty sure what I just did was the uh, was a dungeon. Um, but I chickened out because I was tank, and then there was another tank. There's only two of us, and like we had to pull all of the aggro, and yeah. it was very stressful because I couldn't tell if I was messing up or if the DPS was pulling early. I couldn't do it though, <laughs> and like I had all of the, the the. So you love the game, but you've experienced part of it. No, no, and I'm not. No, don't yeah, me wrong. I've, I've 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 had similar experiences in MMOs. I love Final Fantasy 14. I've made like six total characters now. No, five total characters, and. I've played through the story all five of those times up until that mission. That's like the last mission in the story mode is where you go to that dungeon. It's the first one you can unlock to my knowledge as well. Uh, since I've played, there might be some changes now. But yeah, okay. it's it's really good. Uh, and I like this. I really dig the uh, Yoko Taro like, raid. It is uh, going to be kind of interesting, I think. Well, it, what it's, I mean, don't be wrong. I mean, I get that more than anything. It, it seems like it's acting as a crossover. Definitely what I'm talking about, the picture of the Viera playing the, or in the automata-inspired suits, if nothing else. Um, but, you know, do you remember a while back when the per- I, one of the heads up at Square Enix was saying that he thought it would be interesting to let Yoko Taro make a new uh, make a Final Fantasy game? And this is probably the solution instead of an actual game. Well, I wonder if if instead of a solution, which it could be, you know, or if if this is dipping the toes in the water. Now, dipping the toes in the water was Varum Rex. For Yoko Taro? Yeah, that was Yoko Taro made. You didn't see the credits? <laughs> that would be really really interesting. Didn't but... the mechs give it off? No, no, they did not at oh, all. Oh, they should have. But, I mean, either way, I just I think it's it looks to me, and I'm going to be the optimist as time back in our earlier thing as far as saying that I think that this, to me, looks like it could very well just be dipping the toes in the water to see how he handles Final Fantasy as a franchise. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm still of the mindset that I would still like to really see and regardless of, I think that there's a number of things that happened with Versus 13 that weren't necessarily on the back of of um, Tetsuya Nomura. Uh, when you think about it this way, ultimately, Kingdom Hearts did not take that long to develop for a new game coming out on new hardware. I mean, it, it may have been a sequel, but it's a sequel in the sense of there's a bunch of other games that came out, and the only time that they really worked on the hardware was through a remaster. So when you're trying to think about building up tools from the ground up to be able to make this game, him taking essentially four years to make the game since the Unreal Engine 4 reboot, moving the whole game, that's not that weird. No. As far as I'm concerned. So I think when you look at that... It just feels like it's been a lot longer. Because, well, a lot of people, the last time they played a King Mars game was two. Yeah, sure. And, and I mean, it, it's been, but if you talk about it just from announcement, which really I don't agree with the way they chose the to announce it, was literally just Kingdom Hearts is in development now. It's like, okay, you should probably have waited until you had a little more to actually talk about. They, but, should, they should have really put Kingdom Hearts 2.9. <laughs> but that would have made sense because 2.8 wasn't a thing. Yes, you would have been like, what the hell? But look, my point being is that I don't think that... A lot of people say that they don't want to see him come back to Final Fantasy because of how long it took him for Versus 13. But when you look at what happened with Versus 13 and the whole Fabula, Crystalla, Novella, or whatever the hell Final Fantasy 13's you know, compendium was going to be made out of, which was supposed to include a Gito 13, which ended up becoming type zero. None of the games ended up being what they were type zero. To, or if you want to think about a Gito, a terrible game took forever to come out. 
Yeah, that's a bad thing. And if you even want to talk about that, it took forever to come out when it was helmed by the eventual uh, person who took over 15, why, uh, Tabata. Can you even play that on Vita? No, it never came to Vita. No, no, uh, in Japan, like, probably, yes. <laughs> so be, but it's not even on the backwards compatibility. Um, it, it probably PSN is in Japan. Store. Because it never released in the PSP version, never released in your in America or the West in general. How did I play it? Type Zero. You played it, if you played it at all. You played the PS4 PS3. remaster. Or no, was it PS4, PS4? remaster that included the Final Fantasy 15 episode disguise? It did. Yeah, I remember that now. Yep. So, anyway, my point here is that for all the people that want to say that, I think every game that was kind of melded around Final Fantasy 13 had hell besides 13. And a lot of that, I mean, in 13 had mixed reception. Uh, but when you think about it this way, they, they constantly pulled the team that was supposed to be working on 13 verses off of 13 verses to help assist in development of 13. And then they did the same thing with 13 too. And they kept doing that and they kept, you know, splicing the projects out. They remade Agito into a different game. I mean, when you look at all that, it doesn't seem to me that there's any real proof as far as we can really tell that to, that Nomura would have a hard time making a Final Fantasy game. I think that he really wanted to make Versus 13. You could tell by what he was doing and the fact that the VRM Rex thing in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to say this. In Kingdom Hearts 3 has obviously got a ton of ties. That's all I'm going to say. Into, uh, or uh, if you want to say, a, a lot of thematical references and general references to a lot of the trailers from Versus 13. Uh, so I think that he still wants to live some of those ideas out and whether he gets to do it in the form of a new IP or if he gets to do it in the form of uh, a new Final Fantasy game, that'd be great. But of course, that means it has to come after seven because my final bit of that is why would Square Enix, who have constantly said they weren't going to remake seven until they were sure that they could remake seven with the same level of quality that seven was considered when it released? Why would they give it to Tetsuya Nomura? if they thought that he completely fumbled well, with versus 13. A counterpoint, though, is we're also seeing something very similar with 7 as the example of taking a while to hear progress and stuff from, especially with a, with yet another game sure. and, under and his helm with a, re, with a re-scrap. Yeah, and I, and again, I'll say that That's a three, lot of this three comes games down... this yeah. generation. Yeah, and a lot of big this... title games. And a lot of this comes down to upper management. And he said, Tetsuya said as much himself. Do you not remember seeing the thing where he didn't even know he was going to be the director for Final Fantasy VII Remake until he saw the trailer? I don't know about all that. I, no, I, don't be wrong. I we really, don't. We don't. But what, what it, we have to do is take the information that we're given and be as fair about it as we can. So one thing is that. And then the other thing we learned is that part of the reason that it was taking a while is because they were getting it out to CyberConnect. All right. CyberConnect is a you know just an out independent studio that they were going to contract through to have the game started. They decided to pull it in, but they were also they announced that he's going to be the person for Final Fantasy VII after he just announced that Kingdom Hearts Three is starting development, and he's obviously a key person for Kingdom Hearts Three. What I'm getting at is, I think if it was honestly really up to him, and if he was the one making all the decisions, he probably wouldn't have come out and said that hey, I'm doing Final Fantasy VII as director because it doesn't make sense for him to be the director of a game like that. That's that's doing more than just remaking itself. It's reimagining itself. You know what I mean? It's not the exact same game with prettier graphics. It's doing a lot to add and change. So when you think about it that way, I would not have... I mean, if they came to me after being like, oh yeah, I know you just started Kingdom Hearts 3, but we want you to direct Final Fantasy 7. I'm sure when he learned that he was going to be the director, if that is indeed what happened, he was like, amazing, because it really shows that they have a lot of faith in me. 
on a on a franchise that are you know an entry to a franchise that's so important to gaming and to us as a company but i don't think he would have chose to put it out exactly when he did though there was probably pressure from sony in terms of square enix being like okay we're, yeah, we're gonna put, go ahead and put it out a lot I just of bad it, things in play, i think it's bad decisions that's what it is more than anything yeah i don't think it was smart to outsource what you consider to be your most important game uh, Final Fantasy VII remake to a different company in CyberConnect. That was a bad idea. Yeah, it was a very bad. And idea. And now we know it was a bad idea because they had to pull it back in. I mean, I I don't know. I guess I'm just I'm feeling like with as much as I'm enjoying Kingdom Hearts three and as smooth as it's going, and the fact that it took essentially four years for him to develop, and then you know the little bit of a delay or whatever, I think that there's no real reason to hit on him so hard. I feel like he's proving himself right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll see. Maybe he's awful. Maybe, you know, <laughs> but as far as we see, I think I would still like to see him get to do something in the Final Fantasy realm. But you know what? While we're on the topic of Nier in terms of the news, at least, um, Nier crossovers, Nier Automata has a crossover in Monster Hunter, but sadly, it's not the one that everybody would probably expect and want. The massively popular and internationally available Monster Hunter world. Instead, it's in the crossover uh, is for the Japanese exclusive MMO of Monster Hunter called Frontier Z that released back in 2016, and we don't even have it. Um, still cool that Nier's getting all that love, and I hope that maybe the crossover for this ends up leading over into a crossover for World. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, do you remember a couple weeks back, I think maybe two weeks ago, we talked about Spider-Man Fantastic Four, little uh, nod that Disney gave out? Well, of course or Marvel gave out. Uh, the tie-in has been revealed and released, and it was exactly as I thought and planned. Uh, it was just two new suits that are added to the game in the way of the Future Foundation suit and the Bombastic Bagman suit that are free for everyone to download. So if you still want to have a reason to just go and play the game, or if you're just still enjoying it, at least you get to do so with two new suits if you want to do that. Um, another great segue, uh, Insomniac's take on Spider-Man uh, is also announced to be getting its own comic book series. It's been officially announced the first release titled City at War number one marks the first in a series of comics that Marvel is calling the Gameverse, which to me, I didn't see anything go deeper into that. It's just what they called it. But to me, do you think this could be signaling that they plan to, with their renewed focus on making sure that their games are very high quality, that they're going to have a plan to make comic book tie-ins for every one of their game series that they have moving forward. So they introduce the Avengers that Square Enix is doing, and they're going to go, it comes out, and then later they go, tie-in, game-verse, comic series for the Avengers, and it they're would, all, it, you know. It would be cool. I don't know if I see it happening. Okay, so you, do you remember a lot of people question, and we had a question written in on this, do we think that Marvel might make a, what we want to call Iron it? Iron Man game. Well, a Marvel Cinematic Universe style thing. So essentially a Marvel Gameverse universe where it's essentially every game they make is tied into each other in the same world, even if they can exist as separate stories. If so, it would make it more interesting that if the Gameverse thing is an idea to have all the comic book tie-ins for the games be under one umbrella, if they're in the same universe or not. And then that would mean, that might imply that the Marvel games are going to indeed be in the same universe. Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. I just, I don't know if I see it happening because I would think there'd be big time gaps in between a, a universe like this, right? So Whereas like two the, or three years the later, movies the new are, ones come out where yeah. uh, the movies, it's a little more consistent, but not only that, but I feel like they, with games, it's easier to lose interest in this kind of thing. 
because it's such a it, it, it's such a time sink in a way. With a movie, you're done in less than three hours. With a game, it takes 15, 20, sometimes 30 hours. So you may play the first two, then wait three years, and then play the second one. And then you you know you're not going to have one for another three years, so you can't really be that excited for it. You could be, you know, or I wouldn't be really well, excited for it. Now, I, I get where you're going with that, but the, I guess that's thinking it'd be under the same umbrella. So a lot of what they do... I would want it to be under the same umbrella. The cinematic universe. And what I mean by same umbrella is th- that's kind of the idea of one developer working on it. But if you think about it this way, I would want one developer. If so they consistent. set this up really the right way, when you think about the movies, think about that. The movies are not all written by one person, filmed by one person, directed by one person. They're not, and yet they you know somehow I mean? can capture the consistency that, that works pretty well with through, throughout the universe. But I don't feel like a game could do that. The reason I think it might be able to and i think the reason that they're aiming why why they could be aiming for that and i think they've been a little coy about saying anything about it is that they want to see how likely it is that it'll work before they completely announce it uh there's when insomniac are working on spider-man there is a marvel representative that comes and checks in with the story and different things and that's exactly what happens with the movie there's one person who kind of controls how everything's going to tie together yeah if they want to do that i actually just saw an article whoopsie so if that's going to be the case then essentially they could have a marvel team that comes down and looks at the games and works on how they're going to tie together and what the point of the franchise like you know how they're going to be set timeline wise I guess it just, to me, it and, lends credence to the fact that it could be possible. And here's an article of Spider-Man PS4. Marvel tried to cut the game's biggest twist. Really? Yep. So that what game, was what was the game's biggest twist? Because I saw the ending from a mile away. If no offense to the game, I just being honest. What is the biggest twist? I, I would think that whole entire character plot device out. What do you mean? I think it's fair to say now. The game's been out for a while, right? I don't want to say say it because it's been out for a can while. I say, but... Can I say the name of the character? Yeah. Because that's what's well, kind of hard to talk about it. Yeah, the, I know. The I one, wanna, the I one know character, the one character that was not advertised could be taken out of the game completely and put something else in. Oh, yeah. I feel like that would have been garbage. I feel like depending on what they did. I or mean, it depends on what you mean by the twist, though. It may have been the way they wanted to set up the character in the game. But regardless, I just think that that's weird to say that, that, that Spider-Man had a big twist because I think consistently I've seen pretty much everybody agree that if you've, I mean, if you even know anything about Spider-Man, you could say, even if you didn't, honestly, the game beats you over the head with what's going to happen. You know what I mean? There's I not mean, a twist in that that's, game. That's what I feel like. You take out half of the game, if not 75% of it. I just feel like the wording of the article is more weird than anything. But my point being is that there could be something. I don't know. I mean, you you could be right. You know, the I'd oh, say this. Correction. This isn't exactly about the bad guy. This is about another character. Okay, so I'm assuming uh, MT. No, MT. Yeah. Who is MT? <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Um. Anyway, hey, I'll just highlight it for you and spin the laptop around. Oh, see, so even that is like something I don't want to have. Like weird, like Marvel reps controlling everything. Like I feel like if it wasn't done, first of you, all, that's, you, that whatever. You know what? That, that's not a twist either. I mean, it, that's never happened before, except in like two series. Yeah, but um, and I definitely didn't expect it to happen in the game, technically. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I just I don't feel like it'd feel right to me. Like it'd be like if you played a series and I say a trilogy, yeah, and, and then the third one's d- developed by a different. It's the same game series developed under now, somebody else. I don't. I, I didn't mean that, and I and I agree with you there. 
We so what? I, different. What studios. I mean by different different studios is that Spider Man is under Insomniac now. So Spider Man two and three will be under Insomniac. But the way that those movies oh. work is that so the way I'm just I mean I'm using the Marvel Cinematic Universe gotcha. as the closest I see thing. What you're I thought you were talking about you have like, different studios. So you know this year we have uh, you know and because they started slow well, with the movies use, as well. Just, this year you have Spider Man uh, or last year you had Spider Man. This year you get the Avengers. Next year you get a new Wolverine game or something. I don't know what it would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you can use an example. Like and, Wolverine by Bungie. Exactly. And then Bungie exactly. is the developer of Wolverine. Yeah. I thought you were saying that it, it would have every single game that in this trilogy or in this trilogy, in a series, hypothetically, would be helmed at a different no, studio. Like no. that would not be That good. would not be good at all. Okay. That's all I was just like, no. Yeah. Okay. Now I that get I see you. what you mean now, I'm like, okay, have Insomniac do Spider Man, have Bungie do Wolverine, whatever it is. Yeah, and as they go off as individual series, they, they continue up. to make them. Yeah, so you know, I know they will any Avenger game moving forward would be handled by Square Enix. Right. As well, long as Square Enix does a good job, you know what I mean. Yeah, which we it would be see it would be hard to mess it up, I think, but it also would require a lot of communication from each studio. Well, and to be fair, one game messing up doesn't mean the end of anything. Because do you remember how bad Iron Man Two was in terms of throwing I'm off the rest about, of the cinematic it'd universe? It'd be like if Avengers One was that bad, though. Is what I'm talking about. Well, do you mean Avengers One movie? Yes. So, like, you're okay. Comparing- I guess I get what you're going to. I don't think that because we already know that the Avengers is a game being made. The mo- the games would not be building toward the Avengers like the movies were. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because uh, but Man I get your I get Actually, your Iron Man Two and Three were really bad. Movies. Yeah, they're not really great movies. So Iron Man One was pretty great though. I don't know. We'll move on to the next thing, though. Bandai Namco released a trailer teasing its previously announced Dragon Ball game, quote Project Z. Action RPG. Uh, it's being developed by Dot Hack and Naruto developer CyberConnect that we just talked about in the Final Fantasy VII bit, uh, and supposedly aiming for a 2019 release, even though it apparently doesn't have a name. Uh, I feel like the name probably gives away a little too much. Tenkai Buken did it. But here's here's the thing. I don't necessarily know how I feel with CyberConnect developing it, just because. I feel bad. I don't, I don't, I don't mind the Dot Hack games. They're okay, but. I would they're want not, this to be high quality. That's all I was gonna say. They're not the high quality that I'm thinking of for a Dragon Ball Z game. Now, but they do they to their credit. It's I don't quality. care for Naruto, but they do a good job with the Naruto fighting games. Yeah, the the uh, what is it? Ninja Storm fighting games are fun, but I'm just saying that like there's a there's a quality difference there between uh, Dragon Ball Z fighters and Naruto Storm to me. One feels yeah. much more polished and looks more polished, and the other one doesn't. And that's and that might be because I haven't played any of the current gen Naruto games, but I've looked at videos. And I'm just like. It doesn't. It looks the same as the PS3 game. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I played a lot of those. Here's where I'm kind of torn on it. I think we've mentioned on a on a reader mail or something where people were talking about what game would you want to be made, and I've always said, and I've said it since I played them on Game Boy, the old legacy of Goku games where you're flying around the whole world and you're landing. I could beat the first legacy of Goku in less than an hour. Oh yeah, because you could. There was so many ways to just skip around that game. The game know? was just no, it was just short. Oh, it was short if anyway, you but Piccolo, you could skip around. If it. You knew the Piccolo maze in that game. You could. Be, that was the that was. The, the majority the game. of game right there. <laughs> but, you know, that whole series, the Legacy of Goku that moved into uh, Boo's Fury. Fury. Yeah, that's the best one. Man, That I love those games. And I like, I've always said, the idea of being able to just walk around the town, turn Super Saiyan whenever you want to, it was cool. It was like, it was, yeah. I would love for this to be 
in a 3D world of Dragon Ball, and I was hoping that that's what this would be. And we Even are, if it's just a retelling of the, of a story saga. You well, know? We were all hoping Xenoverse would be something similar. Yeah, and Xenoverse wasn't bad, and they've been slowly on the upswing, right? They had Xenoverse, Xenoverse which was pretty all right. really good. Yeah, and then you have Dragon Ball Fighters. They've been on an upswing with the Dragon Ball gaming thing, and it's kind of existed ever since Dragon Ball Super kind of came back out. And, um, oh, Lord, I'm bad with names today for some reason. I don't know why I can't think of the creator of uh, Dragon Ball Z. Akira Toriyama. Thank you. Now that he's back involved with it, it almost seems like the games have shot Wasn't up in quality as well. That's what I'm talking about. Him oh, being involved with Super, gotcha. that seemed to have spurred all these great Dragon Ball games coming. I thought you were talking about now that Super's done and he's involved with something else with them. I'm like, wait. Yeah, I don't know if he was what? involved with the games, though. I think Xenoverse is possible because there's a, the Xenoverse games are apparently supposed to not necessarily not be canon. I could it's, be it's, misspeaking. It's in the in-between from like what the old movies used to be considered because the old movies used to, like it, there was no definitive answer on canon back then when they came Well, out. and because it ties into the whole multiverse thing that Super introduced, you know? Yeah, so. And moving around through time still, in different universes still and what. to finish that series, but let's continue on to the news. All right, next thing up, PS Plus games for February were revealed nope. alongside some improvements to the service as we all get changes going forward in that uh, this is the last month that PS3 and Vita titles will be given on the service, though access to previously redeemed games for the systems will continue to be available as long as you hold your subscription. Same old, same old as it's always been. Uh, also, Plus users will have their cloud storage increase from 10 gigabytes to 100 gigabytes, uh, and the games for the month are as follows. Hitman, the complete first season for PS4. For Honor for PS4, Dive Kick for PS3 and Vita cross by, uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, yeah boy, what a great PS3 ending game, Gun House for PS Vita and PS4, and Rogue Aces for PS Vita and PS4 Too as bad well. All the Vita games suck. Too bad that they didn't even at least try and put one of the AAA Vita games that just didn't make put, it on the service. You could have put Persona 4. World Den made a really good point about that. No, though. I know he did. It's one of the best-selling video games. Well, guess what? The Vita's dead. But it still it sells. I, it doesn't matter if the Vita's dead, still, you know? It can still... This could be the hurrah. I know from I mean, a business standpoint, it. it doesn't make sense. But, but Sony would have had to pay a, sh- a, a buttload of money for it. I mean, they made a buttload of money on it, so why don't I give some back to Atlas and just be like, here you go. Well, I mean, Atlas made the money on it, realistically. They just made right. percentages off. But I mean, don't be wrong. Obviously, it was still lucrative for Sony. Yeah, I think that it should have been something big, though. Like, it, obviously, Persona 4 Golden being if not the number one selling Vita games currently. I was like, almost always. surprised by Metal Gear Solid 4. Like, when I saw it, I was like, I don't know why. I've always w- wondered why that game hadn't been added to the service yet, but... Konami said no. I don't know. You know? It's a really weird in-between, but there you go. If you got PlayStation Plus, there goes your free games. And uh, I'm actually impressed with For Honor being on there because I've been wanting to try it, but not. I didn't want to pay the game. The game was terrible. I, I didn't play it yet. I, I haven't played it at all. $20 or $30 for that game when it was on sale last year and I played it and it was terrible. Okay. No well, fun. I mean, it's one of those games that if you don't buy complete, but... it's just not fun because you're limited to stuff you could do. You're limited to the play things you could play. And that's so, exactly what this and is. And hold on. Be. Isn't it Ubisoft? Yes. So this is going to be like, so getting... they come, they, come, they went almost a completely different way. Well, I'm not going to say completely different way. I'm trying to think of how to word this because rainbow six. Nope. Rainbow six is the same way. Rainbow Six, you have the starter pack. Well, of course, game. but how much does it really segregate you versus? Because obviously in a game like Rainbow Six, your matchmaking is, and I would imagine the same in this, right? Your matchmaking would be limited to people who are with you. I don't think it did that in Rainbow Six, did it? Yeah, it should. No, I think you could still play against all operators in Rainbow Six with just the starter. Well, that's even better. 
So that you can play with the people who have it, but it doesn't matter because it just means that you don't have the operators. That's right. Fine. So, it's like, just, you're paying $15 for a Rainbow Six game with four characters in it where you're playing with somebody that's... But it was at launch anyway. You know what I mean? So, right. But I'm just saying now. Yeah. So, like, now you're going to hop into this and you're going to have... Everybody's going to have their warrior unlocked or whoever they want to play as with all the other stuff they have. And it's not necessarily a... Um, it's just... It, it, it's one of those things that's like you're going to have to spend money on this free game to get the stuff you want out of the game. So I don't agree that it should be on here. Now you say you say that like absolutely. Is it a game like I'm trying to think of a good example? Rainbow Six. Say you pick up Rainbow well, Six I mean, for fifteen dollars. I, I, I can't. I don't have enough example of experience with Rainbow Six. So I'm going to go with a different game that I have a little more of an understanding for, and then you can see how close of it because I don't know if you played it at all, but you can see how analogous it is to Rainbow Six. And tell me, uh, Mag on PS3. Nope was a game where you actually got leveled as you played. So if you, it didn't matter if you even bought it later. If you bought it way later and started trying to play while the servers are still up, everybody else was out-leveled and actually had better gear than you. They could kill you quicker. Yeah, they could withstand more shots. too. It was a multiplayer. bad multiplayer. It was a cool idea with a bad design because if you bought the game later, you literally just couldn't do you, It'd take you hours of luck and just crazy amounts of skill. It's not like that. But what it is like is that you download this free game and you may go watch a video or something or you may see a character. You're like, I want to play as him. And then you have to spend 8 to 10 to 12 to $20 to unlock that character. I, and I guess I'm Which, still with you. It's just that I guess in my mind, I still fall back to the idea that the game was that price at launch or whatever. And you only have those characters anyway. Everything else... And I, I, we had a conversation about DLC in general, actually, recently. In competitive games, it's a little different because if you don't have DLC like that, the game dies very quickly. People almost no, no, it's need not a disagreement. some form. It's not a disagreement with the DLC. What I feel should be the most, uh, it just most morally and the most acceptable stance would be when these games come out a year and a half later with a $60 whatever it's going to be called, you know, the complete collection. Sure. Like Rainbow Six did. The base game should be free to play because you're only, because you're getting, if you go buy, when that when you bought that game, how much you pay? Buy what? The base Rainbow Six game, just like a year, last year. I don't know because I returned it immediately. It was $20. I remember. I, I don't remember. When you bought that game, you had no operators unlocked. You and I mean, you couldn't unlock all the operators without paying for them. Um, and the system in that game works. Or if you play, obviously, if you pay or I mean, play enough, you're going to be able to unlock them. That will take you years. forever. Yeah. yeah, no, that and that's um, a, and that we were talking about that uh, in the Discord uh, about you know, and and that one's a little different. Like I say, it's a competitive game, so it is harder to kind of figure that out because honestly, if you play a competitive game, they're repetitive anyway. It's kind of the point of a competitive game like yeah, that. They're meant and, and to be. Twitch-based repetitious gameplay. Not everybody jumps into a game wanting to do that, which I understand, or I would say Rainbow Six is the wrong game to play. If you want to jump in randomly, If you want to jump in randomly, like without intentions of learning the game or being competitive in the game or... I would even say the learning curve of that game is enough that you can't just jump into that game. It's not... You can. I've seen people just jump uh, in to try to play team. But you're not going to do well at all. You're not going to have fun. Yeah, you'll die very quickly. It's not like Call of Duty where you can fake it until you make it and die a whole lot, but still have fun. But the thing was is that that base game that you had... Yeah, this was before season two or whatever. I don't, remember. I don't remember what it was. I didn't either. enjoy it. So, do you remember when you traded it in? Like a week later, it went to sixty dollars. I, I just returned it, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't even trade it in. Uh-huh. I don't. I, I remember that it randomly price jumped again. It, it, it price jumped up back up to either fifty or sixty dollars. But yeah. So and that was during a time in which everybody was jumping back in. So that's now what they I did. bought it used just so we can clarify. Yeah, he bought it used at GameStop, and I just returned it used. So he got to so return it, yeah, within did, the seven days. Did the used price also shoot up? No, the used price shop's like fifty. 
And then the, the new one was sixty dollars. Wow. And this is for a game that was three years old at that point. And still the base game. Still no. Well, I'm talking about what you had was was fifty dollars, and it was the base game. The pack or whatever it was that released that had all the all the stuff was in 60. it was sixty. Okay, well, that's reasonable. That's dumb that the, that the used game rose its price as well. If that happened, I mean, it's because demand. that's really stupid. It's, it's the stupid. It's the way that the demand worked. I just think that like like Destiny one, like Destiny two should be free, and then all the DLC packs cost money. In Destiny 2 right now, if you go wherever to buy it... Like, Which essentially they did for a short period. So. Well, yeah. I mean, that's true. But, like, if you go to a game store and buy that game, you can only get to level 20. I think it's, like, your max light level is 300, I think, or 200-something. Yeah. Uh, it should just be free. Like, all all these kind of games should, like, the year and a half, two years later at Mark, you should be making your money off DLCs and uh, continue, continuous players. And See, I essentially agree with you because what would be the difference for Destiny's business model since we kind of moved into that, at least specifically a game like Destiny, which is, as we say, and you and realistically you see this, you know, we've constantly gone back and forth and I think we're kind of in the middle ground of Destiny is a form of an MMO, yeah, even if it changes a lot yeah, of it's, things. Yeah, it's, it's, it fits into the, I wouldn't say it's, it, it is an MMO, but it's the close, like there's no other term to describe it. It's really. the closest thing you could group it into. Yeah. Um, so if you go into that and you you think about what that is it, you know other mmos are all free for their base game essentially you know what i mean yeah you can go and, download world of warcraft right now yeah, and, and play till to level like, 20 for free or something like that i think it's higher than that i think it's 90 i don't i don't think so but it's i something. could be wrong regardless it may be level 40 that sounds that, right that might be right that, that sounds right but regardless you can play for a small stint free and then essentially what you do after that is if you want to keep playing you just not even if you want to keep playing i think the game lets you log in you just can't do anything oh no it is only level 20 Okay, level 20. So anyway, these are all games that give you a, a way to experience the game to know you'll like it without buying it as an MMO. Destiny really should do the same because what would be the what would be the downside for it? They could still offer the buy the I mean they could still do it in a way where you buy the base game with all the DLC like they already the do. The thing though is is that how much did uh Forsaken cost when it came out? 40. How much do you think that by then at that point Warmind and Curse of Osiris was worth? About 10 bucks a piece. Yeah. $60. Yeah. Bam. You, Bam. you make your 60. That's what I was saying. That's and essentially that, the same course, thing. We're not saying this makes sense from a business perspective. I'm talking about from a consumer who plays these kind of games. I'd like to see this, this, uh, what is it called? When it's, um, games as a service. I want to see this games as a service model change to be more user friendly because when it becomes more user friendly, you have more ability. You have a higher ability to retain these people who want to play. Well, see, I was about to say, you said it may not be a good business decision, but I think honestly, when you start talking about it in that sense, you end up with the idea that it would eventually make it a better business decision. And I think that's why you see so many businesses do it, right? It gets you into the door of the game. And then it, as long as you get to try the game, the chances of you trying it, discovering that you really like it, and then wanting to spend more money on it goes way up than if yeah. you have a cost barrier entry anyway. It's true. You know? So games like Destiny 2, The Division, For Honor, Rainbow Six, all these base games should be free. Like, and from what we've seen from Destiny, just to go towards your point before you finish, uh, is that their little free stint of on PC and on PS4 did twice on did PC. wonders for them. Yeah, twice on PC if I remember correctly. Okay. It was before PS Plus, and then they, then back again in like last November, something like that. Yeah, or October. So yeah, I just that's how I feel during this. So I don't. I think the only game on here that it has any like any form for me or any excitement would be Hitman: The Complete Collection. And if you have a PS3, most certainly pick up Metal Gear Solid Four because that game. Despite having the most cutscenes out of any Metal Gear Solid game, in the but series, it's so good. It's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But let's go ahead and roll through. Speaking of uh, games of service, Brett. Yep, the Divisions 2s. I'm telling you, I set this list up for segues out the butthole. I mean, you kind of uh, didn't, but because I, I see it one right here. Okay, well then, I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, the Division 2 is private beta exclusive to those who pre-ordered the game. will be going live February 7th, so I think that's actually... It would be uh, next. Is it a Friday? No, it'll be next. It's a Thursday. Week. Yeah, Thursday. Okay, like so, Wednesday, the, so, so from Thursday through Sunday, you can play the game if you pre-ordered it. Uh, right now, there's been no public beta mentioned, so it may be the only chance you get to play the game beforehand if you're curious about it. So I might even go as to say, I know some people don't like doing this, but as long as there's retailers who let you do this, next time, you know, if you go to GameStop at any point. You don't even have to do all that. Just do Amazon. Well, the reason I say that is do you get the code and then can you cancel it if you decide you don't like it? Absolutely. Okay, I, I don't just, know these things. That's why I'm saying. I don't remember. And I've done this only once with Nier, but I don't remember if Amazon charges you then or when it ships. I'm, I'm 99.999% sure it charges you when it ships. Probably. So, But as long as you can still cancel it, then yeah, whatever way. You do, you wouldn't want to do it through the PlayStation Store because they do force you to pay at the time of. Yes. Uh, but outside of that... If if you're curious about the game because you didn't play the Division 1 or because you played the Division 1 and you're kind of in between, it might be worth pre-ordering it just to try and get in on this. Um, though there is a free thing where you can – or there's a thing where you can go and try and get into it. I can't remember what it was as a website. I didn't mark it on here because it's very limited, and I think the shutdown for it closes on Tuesday. Yeah, so. I think like if you're going to use Amazon like that like, – I use Amazon a lot. I think that it's fair in a way because – you're essentially trying out the game to know if you're going to want to keep with the purchase. Now, yeah. for those that just want to go to abuse it, that's another story. Can't really police that without ruining it for everybody. But Well, and I also see the, the devil's advocate side of why some people might be like, well, why wouldn't they just do an open beta? Well, when you think it's, open betas, you can't control the amount of people are going to come in. You don't know anything. Well, these private betas are also like heavily marketed for streamers. I know. And yeah. it's, it's really annoying. And on that side, I am like, it just seems like it's a play for money. But even then, honestly, I get the idea of, well, if you've already pre-ordered the game, you at least had the intent to try and buy it. So we're going to give you the go-ahead to try the game out. Because then if you don't like it and you back out, that's fine. you know. But you yeah. had the intent. Whereas otherwise, yeah, you could get people who might or might not buy the game trying to play the game. But you also might get a lot of people who have no care in the world. They just want to play it so they can go and talk about how bad it is. And then they're just wasting valuable server space. You know what I mean? For yeah. a beta. And it, I, I imagine it's really hard to really try and figure out how much of a pre-order population is going to actually play your beta so that you can try and have the correct server space for it. Which is a bad idea. Yeah, it's rough. We saw it hit Anthem last weekend, you know. So That's just, exactly why I said that. Circling all the way back to Dragon Ball Z because you segue so well. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I segued bad. My bad. Dragon Ball Fighter Season 2 started this past week and brings with it a number of changes from small tweaks to buffing and nerfing different moves and mechanics. The new season brings with it new characters as well. So if you're taking a break from the game or if you've not picked it up yet, maybe it's a good time for you to do so. The game has done very well in the fighting game community. So I'm assuming if you like fighting games, you've probably already done it. But if you like Dragon Ball Z, it's also a very good title for that. Like I said, even though I didn't necessarily love the take on the story mode, it was still really fun, and it's a gorgeous game. Um, so, uh, Next up, the Ghost Survivors DLC that we talked about for Resident Evil 2's remake uh, last episode has been dated for February 15th. So the free content will allow players to play the game using the gun shop owner, the mayor's daughter, and the soldier uh, and see their stories through since they don't make it out uh, in the storyline. I think it's a cool idea for free DLC for something like this. Uh, and it's a 
kind of a good goodwill move. You know what I mean? The game has been doing re- really well. It outperformed Resident Evil 7, which was already a great performer. Yeah, I really want to pick this game up when I'm done with Kingdom Hearts. If Same. not, just to play through it once and then just to start speedrunning it. I've yeah. been getting into really like trying to speedrun games lately, and that's one game that is, of course, uh, it works really well for those. Yeah, speedrunner savvy. Uh, on the heels of many, including us, Saul and I, and many in our Discord, speculating that Death Stranding will release this year, Kojima has taken to Twitter to respond to a joking tweet made to him where someone asked if they could play Death Stranding now, and he says, quote, it'll take a while, end quote. There's a little bit more. He's talking about enjoying the movie because it has something to do with Mads Mikkelsen. Um, what I find interesting about this... He's too cryptic of a dude to make anything of this. That's what's the problem? That, exactly. And I, the bigger thing is, he says it'll take a while. Well, we're, we just got into February. That does not rule out 2019 I, at all. From all of the guesses that we've been doing, and I think most people who are obviously, you know, can look and try and be analytical to this, there's not a reason why any reasonable person would look and go, well, Death Stranding is going to be out in April. No. If Death Stranding was going to well be out... be like June, July, August later on the year honestly when i'm thinking about how how much the third party publishers have put out this so anthem is a game that any other time i would have expected and originally it was intended to be a fall release but it moved right we're seeing the third party games kind of hit the beginning of this year kingdom hearts 3 with square enix's third party big game they hit early in the year instead of late in the year right anthem is doing it metro is doing it i mean all these big games microsoft is even releasing crackdown uh, in, in a early position which has normally been a this area of the year the first quarter has normally been something that sony has really championed and, and then smaller games you know like double a games so i find it interesting that we're seeing this honestly i still think that there's a high chance that death stranding comes out as a fall release, you know, maybe even like a holiday title, uh, somewhere in the September through November range, possibly. So, eh. man, um, just to take a little segue, did you hear that apparently Sony's not having PSX this year at all? Did they already com- confirm that? I don't know. Like, uh, our good boy Ryan on Twitter was talking about it. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was joking or not, but like, I couldn't find a source for it, so I got kind of scared. But it was early in the day, and I was also halfway asleep. So, um, I don't know, but I'm kind of sad that if that's true. Nope. I, I I don't know. I think he's probably saying that it's he feels like it's unlikely. Ryan, you can confirm with us if we don't end up finding anything about it. I, I feel like it'd be really weird of Sony to go ahead and confirm that, in my opinion, realistically. Uh, but more so because of all the signs that seem to be pointing towards the PS5. You'd I almost feel like you'd want to make sure you had good... I'm not going to say PR, necessarily. <laughs> trying to think of how to say this but you'd want goodwill of your consumers in general and one of the things that people like about psx and you have this hit and miss side right you have that group of people who are saying that i'm trying to think of the way to word this you have the group of people who are mad that they don't essentially get all these great reveals at psx uh, if they decided so, like you know, PSX 2017 oh, was a very it was early. I reread, I re, I re completely messed up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's PSX SEA. Well, the is the only event Sony be at holding in 2019. So yeah, that's right with the lack of um. So that'd be lack of E3. E3. Now yeah. don't be wrong, which we are. And, and I mean Ryan, I don't know what your sources were on that. I think that's reasonable, obviously. Now, really what he's getting at with that is the fact that, that if that's true, then that rules out Gamescom, that rules, that rules out Paris Games Week, uh, that real, rules out TGS. That's a ton. That's, a, a, you know, you think about that. See, Yeah, I'm not too sure. So I don't want to put Ryan, I don't want to 
uh, say his tweets out of context or anything. So sorry, Rod. If yeah, I and that. of course we don't know who the source is on something like that. So I mean, that's just essentially rumor for us. I, I at feel that like point, he, but... he he knows. He, he, he I'm has, not saying he, he has, doesn't. No, I'll say he has his sources. He, yeah, we'll, he's not we'll going to tell nobody. He's a sneaky boy. We'll see. Um, but I mean, yeah, we'll see. It's to be fair, I didn't think that they were going to put Death Stranding's release date out during a uh, conference. Oh. I thought that that would have been something that, like I said, I think we've seen them adapt to giving Game Store, uh, our Game Informer, a cover story, and then giving them also the release date and all that information alongside the month long, uh, you know, coverage. So. Sorry, we may see that with there. Death Stranding. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if Kojima did not want that for Death Stranding because he doesn't want somebody to get a month-long you know, month different footage and stuff for Death Stranding. He wants it to be as enigmatic as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah, makes so, sense. Uh, anyway, another tease from people involved with big names or with big games comes from The Last of Us composer and where he told a crowd at a recent live concert that the game is, quote, coming very soon. Um I don't know about that one. Sorry if I keep sniffling in my nose. Nah, it's fine, Saul. We, we love you anyway, buddy. I don't really know about this one. I don't I, think it is. I have been so on the fence as to whether we'll see The Last of Us this year. Listen, I have I have learned to not trust anybody that is not a developer. <laughs> if it is an artist, a composer, whoever it is, and they're like, yeah, it's coming here like real soon. It's like, I've never once seen that true. Ever. Well, and, and the I other side of that it. is... Everybody seems to have a massively different like idea of uh, a definition, I guess is what I'd say, of something like very soon. Well, what is very soon to you? You know, yeah, very is soon very is soon like soon early two thousand twenty for some people. You know, or is or is very soon? You know, yeah, early twenty twenty, or is it? You know, maybe very it, soon compared to when the last game came out. So, like, what? Yeah, it's been five years. Yeah. So, like, very soon is only a year and a half. Like, we don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust those sources, and and I don't, this doesn't mean to sound mean, but I really don't think they would give a composer the release date. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's, I think the idea behind that for people, and I I, I do get your point. Too many people on a team that like made this game. Like, if you think of all the composers, yeah. all everybody that made this game, I don't think they gave anybody the release date. But when it's you th- too risky. When you think, well, I think obviously some people have to know. Has to some people, yes, but not all. Even then, I think what some of this is is him inferring that since his work with the de- with the game is done, most likely that that's what's going on. And yeah, composing work takes a long time, but just because well, the work and they, is complete, and you got to think about it this way: the composing goes on with them seeing the scenes and knowing how they want to put the music in to uh, accent the scenes. Which also, it so can, it makes you think that he may be seeing the game in a polished form and go, well, yeah, it's close because I'm done with it now and we saw all this. But I watched the behind the scenes of a game and they were actually doing the motion actors who were doing the the acting for the music. I can't. What game was that? Where it wasn't even complete footage of the game they were watching. They were watching the motion actors. Like the, the, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was um, Nolan North, but that doesn't sound right at all. Troy, if you're talking about at one point, there was a nice, and I actually love this. There was a little featurette they did uh, that had um, the, obviously, uh, Troy Baker and the actress for, um, and I can't remember her name, uh, because in my mind, I'm getting conflated with Nadine, uh, but the Firefly leader in The Last of Us. Oh, yeah, they do look kind of similar, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, anyway, when you think about that, uh, what they're doing, it, it, there's a scene where, and this is what I think you may be talking about, where they're making a musical out of the ending. Yeah, that, the that's game. what I'm talking about, I think. Yeah, and I thought that was cool, but, you know, I mean, I get... But it's kind of different. Marlene. Yeah, Marlene. Close, close names. Yeah, thank you. Marlene. 
So I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting point. I don't necessarily know that I believe it either, but it, regardless, it's interesting to hear somebody even say something like that. It's more fun than anything. Cause you start to think like, would Sony just slay the end of this year with death stranding the last of us. And then somehow magically just decide to tack on and whip out, you know, goes to Tsushima. <laughs> I could totally see uh, Nadine being a uh, older, I mean, uh, Marlene being a more older post-apocalyptic version of Nadine. Of Nadine. Nadine? It's Nadine's daughter. Nadine. Bam. Tie-in. Nadine's mother? What? Oh, yeah. No, Marlene is Nadine's. You said Nadine's daughter. Yeah. That wouldn't make sense. What? This is in the future. This is like 2040. Uncharted? No, no, no. The Last of Us is. So Marlene, Marlene would be Nadine's would be... daughter. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> ha, saw. Dang. Anyway, Tom look, lies. last thing we're going to do to close out this long-winded news now is with their latest game, Detroit Become Human, being a huge success, closing in on almost 3 million copies now uh, for them, you know, definitely in this time period. Uh, Quantic Dream announced that the Chinese company NetEase, same company that invested into Bungie, little tidbit, uh, had taken a minority stock in their studio and announced plans for their next game to be moving away from Sony as a publisher and instead going multi-platform while they expand their team upwards from about 200 where they've been at for a good while to 300. Um, I'm very curious about this, but for two reasons. The main thing is I just, it makes me wonder if Sony had the opportunity to invest and didn't. If Quantic Dream even wanted to be bought or didn't. I'm sure they did, honestly. Like, when you think about it, and I would bet that Netties, of course, had the money. Well, this is why I said Netties didn't buy them, though. They just bought in a stock thing. Yeah, they still right. remain independent. Well, they technically they own a, a share of them. Exactly. But they're not owned, regardless. You know eh? what I mean? Essentially, they act in the role of as an investor and potentially a publisher at this point. Yeah. Now, or at least gives them the ability to do like Bungie's doing and self-publish. You know what I mean? Right. So it, so that's one thing that makes sense with the upcoming gaming market where you're seeing more people start to take over the role of self-publishing if they have the funds to do so. Because it does take funds. Oh, it takes a lot of funds. Um, so when you put that alongside the fact that some independent studios really have been have offered or been offered, I you know, from everything I've been able to see, I'm pretty sure Sony has offered to buy Insomniac and, and had price just said no and some of it comes down to this and we talked about this in discord recently as well i think the number one thing that i can really understand about independent studios wanting to remain independent and it's funny that it ties into our kojima topic last week right is the fact that when you think about it independent studios it's, it's not even about whether or not they have creative control it's right. about the fact that the ability for them to for their studio to remain open for the foreseeable future is on the whim of sony and how well their games are doing right let's just say uh that quantic dream did get bought by sony right and sony funded a game and it ended up being more or less a commercial and critical dud kind of like beyond two souls was oh yeah so when you think about it like that if you know, let's just say they do two of those games in a row, and it's just unfortunate that it came down to that way, but it did. Sony can decide to pull the plug, and that's the end of Quantic Dream as a studio. Whereas if Quantic Dream is still an independent, Sony just goes, "Well, we don't want to work with you anymore. We're done. Oh well." But they can still go on and make games however they please. And I think some of it comes down to a legacy thing where people are like, "Well, even if this would be a good idea, we never want to face the day where Quantic Dream might get closed because it's my legacy." And I want Quantic Dream to live on past me and continue to be an independent studio and make great games, even with me being away from it. I think there's a lot of pride in creation in something like that, and I could see why they may not have wanted to go it. But I do consider this to be 
I'm not going to call it a major loss or a blow to Sony necessarily, though I could see how some people may view it, or that, view it as that who are, are Sony fans or people who are Microsoft fans trying to use that as ammunition. Or I'm not going to say fans because that's a little, you know, fanboys, people who are trying to slander Sony and talk bad about them. I could see people who are Microsoft fans who are looking to do that, using this as ammunition against Sony, saying we all lost another great studio. Uh, when realistically, I think the biggest thing you can say is that regardless of even if Beyond was a flop in a lot of ways, uh, I think that Heavy Rain, Beyond, and obviously Detroit have been great technical showpieces that were probably only capable due to a large amount of funding uh, from Sony, good creative control, and the fact that they are able to optimize for one console. I think that the fact that they're losing that talent that's proven themselves time and again to be able to be a great technical showpiece um, is a little bit of a blow. Not a huge blow or anything like that, but it's a little bit. Of, it's a loss, obviously. It's a, um, it's a, well, it depends on who you ask now about a substantial loss. We kind of talked about it, though. See, with, I'm not going to say substantial, but it's a loss nonetheless. Yeah, it's, it's like what we talked about last week with Brian Deckard, who was seemingly just, you know, a voice actor. Now he's like a Twitch streamer because of that game. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's massive with how, you know, he's risen up from the ranks and how this game's accumulated, or I say, keep saying this game, Detroit has, has accumulated so many fans that it's just based off him. Yeah. More than anything else in the world. No, not off Kara or Marcus, him alone. Though the game, the game owes its creation in general to from Kara tech demo. T- technically, yeah. yeah I was it's funny say, how was that, that works 2012? No, it was before Beyond, so it was like 2009, 10. Dang. It's a good tech demo. Because <laughs> wow. what I'm getting at is that obviously Sony's not losing access to the games. If they go multi-platform, the games will still be on Sony. Do you think they will be as optimized and as crazy looking as something like Detroit, where they actually talked about not even having the room to squeeze in photo mode because that's, of the fact that they, optimization-wise, they couldn't? That's hard to say. I would say no. When's the but... last time you saw a third-party game really do that? That you know, some people talk about the importance of exclusives as we have, and some people talk about the point. unimportance of exclusives. But you know, that I think the number one thing about exclusives is it guarantees that you have one unified hardware system that you're making for. At least in the case of PS4, then you have to deal with just a PS4 and a PS4 Pro, which is just enhanced versions of the same hardware. Right. But essentially, you get to create for one chipset and one idea and one great. So you're optimizing very tightly. Uh, and then, of course, you have the backing of the studio who's doing this as a first-party game, or at least as an exclusive, uh, who wants to see this game be a technical showpiece. So they want to give you the time and energy needed to do that. That may not exist in the aspect of a third-party game. I'm not saying that Red Dead wasn't beautiful in a lot of ways, but Red Dead does not necessarily hold a candle to some other games. I mean, yeah, it's just it's a Red Dead won't look at anything. And I know it's coming out later, but Red Dead won't hold a candle to Death Stranding or to... Um, Last of Us 2 when it comes out. Right. I would even go as far as to argue that they're different games, so I'm not saying this from a scale perspective, but Red Dead 2 didn't even quite look as good as The Order, but The Order's a way different type of game. But oh, it's all I'm getting at yeah, that's like is apples that and oranges. when you're dealing with exclusive games like that, even a studio like Ready at Dawn, they're able to do a lot with the fact that they're going towards one console. And I think if anything... They just it act makes as it great, easier in it, a way for them. Exclusives are important. Yeah, it does to an extent. But exclusives and why I think that this is a little bit of a loss, and at least in terms of the technical side, is they're going to lose that flair because of the fact that 
exclusives act as a to make games even better than they otherwise would have been. Detroit could have been a multi-platform game. It probably wouldn't have been as polished as it was. No, and it, it, it honestly, and like, that's un, as unfortunate, but it's true it to is. an extent. You know, I mean, I can't think of a third party, and and you could say it may just even be because third party developers are lazy, or that they don't have the the right tool sets, or they don't have the backing support like Sony does with their Ice Team that goes through and supports the games uh, from all the developers to make sure they're cutting edge technology wise. Who knows what the reason is, but I mean, regardless, I can't think of AAA games, even Kingdom Hearts 3, for as beautiful as it is, and it really is a great-looking game. It's, it is way better looking than Final Fantasy XV. It's... Oh, without it, a doubt. Insanity. But, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 is, again, not going to hold a candle to something like The Last of like, Us, because it's not meant to. It's yeah. not what those games well, are I, for. I, even Final Fantasy XV is kind of rough, too, because it came out two years ago. Yeah, sure. And that's what I mean. Time is, is obviously part of it. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is, we ended up on this a little longer than I meant to, but you have any last thoughts about that? No. Okay. Well, Saul, the main topic was your idea, so let's roll into it and let's uh, see what you think about it and what you wanted to talk about with it. So, for those that don't know, big, pretty big news for one of the most, if not the most, wanted feature for the PS5, Mark Cerny... CEO of uh, it's a it's what is it what it's what is it I can't I, it's the acronym that always throws me off what the CEO I'm not CEO but the um, He's... president of Sony SIE okay yeah Sony Interactive Entertainment yeah. yeah. And he has suggested... A, I don't know if that's what he is, to be fair, but, I'm, I mean, he's just essentially... I'm pretty sure he is. He obviously... I mean, he's involved with Sony very heavily, but I don't really... All that matters to me is that Mark Cerny, in general... He filed a patent, or he's... It's, it's, I'm going to say he's a smart man, and that he has been working with Sony since PS4, yeah. and then on PS4 Pro, and now it looks like seemingly on PS5, so... It's, uh, it's rumored, heavily rumored, mainly backed by patent files, that there has been a patent filed through Sony, from him, for what looks to be like a brand new type of emulation. And what I mean by that is that it looks like the PS5 will have multiple processors, and each one is basically running a spoof of each of the older systems. So there's a chart that you guys can find online, and I'll, I'll try to link it in the description below if I remember when I do uh, timestamps. But it's almost like... Um, Backwards compatibility could very well be a real thing and that it's doing it in a very, I don't want to say odd way because emulation is always best based off of some kind of spoofing of files, uh, some kind of spoofing of hardware in a way. Well, yeah, realistically, um, the idea behind, for people who don't know, the idea behind emulation is that you it requires more power than you originally had to be able to make your existing hardware mimic what another hardware is doing. And this is this is going to be the first console ever to mimic this many consoles basically. It's going to be able to spoof its processor into being an older processor. Is what this is what all of these files are. Yeah, look I like. mean, so and I like that you use the word console because obviously if you give PC enough time, it acts as a single console no, no, or PC a single already, platform. Yeah, PC can, can do already do that now. Yeah. Like currently, right now, as you listen to this, you could do GameCube, PlayStation, you can do yeah, everything. Exactly. So exactly. this is the first console that has ever been able to do something like this. And, you know, the Xbox One. Well, uh, now when you say this, what do you mean? Uh, in terms of just the sheer number of consoles? Saying that it's even doing that because well the I, Xbox can do two, yeah, uh, the 360 and the original Xbox. 
Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's mimicking too, but and I I guess you could say I'm, terms this, of, I'm, terms, I'm talking about terms of backwards compatibility. Okay, yeah, I've got you because I'd say this one's I would PS, argue that obviously the PS the, the original model PS3 was the first console to be able to do. Still, I'm not saying first console moving forward. I got well, you. I, that I got still you. did too, though. This is doing. Yeah, I got you. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I, I mean, this is doing three. Roll forward. Yeah. Well, really, if it, it'd be doing four. Right, Te- technically, so. it'd be doing PS One. Let's, I mean, that's PS One. I don't have the patent course. in front of me, so I'm not sure what it's saying. But I would assume, and I, I did hear about it. I would assume it's PS One through PS Four. Yeah. So if it's doing that, it's doing four consoles that don't. Because part of the reason that you got to be careful with that is the Xbox One X is not a new console. It's just a well, it also iteration has Xbox of the 360 parts in one. it, which use. Uh, well, I also about just the Xbox in one, general. the original, yeah. 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 But the Xbox One X is part of that. But what I was going to get is that as far as Microsoft have said, and we don't know if that's true moving forward with their next console really, since the X ended up being different than they kept saying it was going to be. Uh, it's still interesting to see if Microsoft is going to keep that forward compatibility thing where. All games that release, even on the next, you know, let's call it the Xbox Two for you know namesake. Let's call it Xbox Two. Every game that releases for the Xbox Two will still release brand new in package and be playable on Xbox One, Xbox One X, and Xbox is what it 2. sounds like they're going with. That's yeah. what they've constantly talked about. Whereas yeah. Sony would not be doing that. So this would be true forward, backwards compatibility. Yeah, this would be forward thinking for the for the past, really. Okay. Yeah. Uh, going forward, everything you could play on the past is on this machine. For Sony, except handhelds, obviously. Now, here's here's where the interesting spot with that would be. Do you feel like it would... Because, I mean, like you're saying, essentially it's for consoles, but do you feel like yes. games that are emulated for PS4 would also be emulated with their Pro enhancements? That would be I would very interesting. I think so. But you, you gotta think about this, because when you're... In, and, and it may not and have to be... I guess be, it would be based on the speed of the processor. That and it wouldn't using. even necessarily have to be emulated, right? Because one of the things is, is that the PS5 should be moving forward on essentially the same uh, architecture, that x86 platform that we see the Xbox One use, the PlayStation 4 use, and PC use. Um, if, check if you think about that, it may not... I mean, I guess it may be emulation, but it won't be as hard as trying to mimic the cell, which is an entirely different... You know, when you're trying to mimic something like the PS3 cell architecture, what you're essentially doing is having something try and mimic an entirely different architecture. I mean, it's not even in the same ballhouse of what of what it is. Whereas trying to emulate different specs and whatnot, and I mean, you can still call it hardware because it's like you're trying to emulate different chipsets on the same. I got him confused with um, Shuhei. Uh, yes, I, I thought so when you said that it that way. I do because I was like, know I know how. that he's employed by Sony. I don't know. He but... is the head. Uh, he's the lead system architect of the PS4. Yeah, I don't know how I got him confused. I just listen. Listen. I, hey, I think talking I said, up the sickness. I think I said earlier that like I'm a little foggy headed right now because of my cold slash flu, whatever I have. Whatever excuse uh, you need, Saul. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a flow chart slash graph that is uh, revealing some of the stuff about this in, in the patent file. And what it looks like is that there's basically multiple processors in this system. And it looks like they're going to communicate with each other depending on the actions that they take. So I think that's kind of interesting to have this multiple processors because it's not. What's this, uh, what's this you got? Uh, you could go. You can find it on Push Square. I'm on Game Tyrant right now, looking at the flowchart. Uh, for those that are listening, you know, feel free to look it up itself. What I can't, what I can't find a definite answer for, and I haven't had a whole lot of time to look today since I had to work, uh, and I can't really find one now. Is that I can't tell if this is spoofing multiple processors or if this is running multiple processors because that that's what i was about spoofing. to say if that if it's doing it with multiple processors and it's, it's not even necessarily emulating at that point 
I mean, I guess in some sense it is. It's this not, is well, getting not, into it's, like it's, a, a lot of tech jargon. Yeah, uh, for people who don't really point, care about though, that, it's not but, emulation. It's like back, it's just backwards compatibility. Yeah, it's more akin to what you saw from the PS3 launch model that had the PS2 chipset in it, and see, it didn't emulate. It just ran the it ran the disc from the PS2 chipset. Right, and see, this is the thing with Push Square is that I'm not entirely too sure, but do, on this article. It says, quote, the technical side of this supposed backwards compatibility system sounds pretty crazy. Essentially, it allows the machine, the PS5 in this case, to mimic the behavior of previous consoles using multiple processors. In other words, when an old game is booted up, the PS5 tricks the software into thinking that it is running its original device. Again, it rather sounds or it sounds rather ambitious, end quote. So I get what I, they're saying, but when you actually is, go to look at this, it does look like it's saying that it says spoofed, right? It actually says return spoofed processor ID in this flowchart. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm what's wa- interesting is I'm almost wondering if they have programmed processor IDs because that's what they're using here uh, is the word processor ID. I almost it says you know the flowchart acts as this. You know it begins the processor ID request from application. So it, it tries to ask what ID that you need processor wise. It goes down and it says, is it a legacy application? If it's yes, then it goes down and it says return spoofed processor ID. So it needs to know what that processor ID is. That doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a different processor as much as it could be processor states that they're doing, right? Well, this is using the software testing patent. This is using CPUs plural. So they could have a secondary CPU that acts as all three of the original consoles. That would that that doesn't sound possible, does it? Uh, yeah, PS2 and PS1 are easy to emulate. Now. PS4 included, unless well, you're talking well, about one processor, PS5 and PS4. Well, yeah, because it wouldn't it wouldn't need to as hard because it's a similar architecture, right? The ones that are going to be harder, as we even see with PS3, the older still, ones. yeah, you know, we have Especially, some PS3 games emulatable right now on, P- it's on still, PC. It's but, still rough. You have to have a top of the line gaming PC to be able to run Demon Souls. Yeah. Almost 10-year-old game at this point. Yeah. Or it is and older than 10 years old. From what I've seen, I think it's easier to emulate the Wii U than it is PS3. You know, oh, P- absolutely, dude. So that's what I mean. Absolutely. You- People have set up... Um, and I don't know how they did this and uh, or like what they did, but they've set up their Vive to work with Wii motion controls. <laughs> that's cool. But... You know, I guess the idea behind this is, you know, we can talk about the the process and how it's doing it all day, but that's really a lot of tech talk that some people may not like. And then some of it we just don't understand. I'm not going to act like we're some kind hey. of ultimate knowledge on these things, but we understand some of these things. Boy, we're coming up right on the 10 year anniversary. I, I, I just remarked that it's 10 years old and it's three days from now. So one day after the recording of this video, Demon Souls will have been 10 years old. Man, that's crazy. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like I'm getting a lot of solid information just looking into this. Well, uh, and it's a patent, right? It, Right? A, patent a patent doesn't mean that it's anything that's currently working necessarily. We don't yeah, know. It, it is an, they're patenting the idea of the way that they want to do backwards compatibility. But it, it shows you that they're taking the time out to file and pay for this patent. Something very well could be behind this. But that is that, that goes to be untrue with 90%. By the way, did you know that 98% of statistics are made up on spot? But this it goes for 90% of like all video game patents. You hear about yeah, a patent they, happening, never never see the light of day. Yeah, a great example from PlayStation alone is when they uh, patented, well before the Switch even released, <laughs> they patented something that's essentially a PlayStation handheld that's akin to what the Switch this, is. This article is already trash on this website. They're saying that it's going to support 8K games. 
<laughs> I don't, whatever. That's a different ball game. But look, I guess what we can move into now is the idea behind it. You know, we've talked on this show, and I know a lot of people have talked in our Discord, and a lot of people have talked in general ever since Xbox was able to come out on E3 stage and say that they can emulate P- Xbox 360 uh, with select titles, right? And then we've seen that expanded into enhanced backwards compatibility with the One X, where they can go back through and make older games run in 4K and stuff like that. But essentially, this entire generation has had the spell. The start of the generation, none of the consoles had backwards compatibility because of how hard it was apparently to do. And, but Microsoft looked forward and tried doing it, and it was easier to emulate 360 than PS3. They were also forced; they had enough foresight to include uh, some of the innards of a 360 to the Xbox One, and they were able to find a way to emulate the Xbox One's dashboard and everything, the entire console experience uh, on the Xbox One for certain games that they were able to slowly expand. Now, ever since they've done that, there's been this idea that Sony doesn't care about backwards compatibility because they were not able to do the same thing with PS3. We've been told a number of times that the reason that PS3 backwards compatibility doesn't exist is because Sale it's too hard to emulate. Yeah, it, And as much as people want to say no, they don't believe that's true, honestly, from how far, for, for I'm going to say this, for how little people have gotten in terms of PS3 emulation, even now, you know, not every game is workable fully, even though the console is well past 10 years old. You know, when you think about it in that sense... The fact that PS3 is still not emulatable on PCs that have greater architect is not surprising to me that they cannot figure a way to make all these games run that way. It's just because of the way the, so, it, the architecture works. Yeah, it's like, so I don't it's think like a roadblock. I think it's unfair for people to paint Sony in that in that kind of picture because prior to that, Sony were the champions. I mean, PS1 came out, PS2 came out with PS1 emulation full. PS3 came out with a PS2 chipset and had full PS1 and PS2 backwards compatibility. The only time that it changed is when, and admittedly Sony's fault, PS3 v2. PS3 being so expensive and trying to find a way to get back on their feet meant cutting the cost of having the PS2 architecture inside, which at the point was quite a bit of money. And you know that's why they had to sacrifice backwards compatibility. Some people think of essentially from the PS3 onwards, Sony have been against backward compatibility, but I don't think it's a fair thing for them because they added it into a system which was a major, major supplemented feature. Sure, and even then, I was going to go towards PSP. Right when PS Vita came out, no. PSP had full backwards compatibility of all digital games. Yeah, and that's, I was going to say now that's important because you can't be mad that not all games of, of PSP are emulatable. That's because of the fact that you have a difference licenses, in uh, not even um, that you have a difference in format. You cannot put oh, a PSP yeah. disc into a Vita, yeah. so there's no way around it. For a lot of the games that never even hit digital stores, you just can't emulate. Crisis Core. Oh, well, never it's hit, unfortunate. Never hit a digital store. Yeah. So you cannot play it on the Vita, which is sad. Yep. Because somebody somewhere has that message file for that game on a CD that they can pop in and maybe do a server, you know, a server, <laughs> what is it called? A, a, a submit submit the game to the server and be like, hey, you guys want the game? Yeah. But it, I, it's never that easy. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about stuff like that, I, I think that the nice side of it is for people who are really live or die on the idea <laughs> of backwards compatibility and who stuck with Sony in spite of it because at the beginning of the generation, nobody was going to have it. Um, I think it's nice that it at least shows that Sony's thinking about it. I am all for it. I'm all for it too. I mean, and world end has had a lot of thought about this and how he thinks that it can, it can pull things back. I don't necessarily know that I agree with that. And I do think that there's a very, at this point, who are we trying to outpace? We already know Xbox, like the Xbox one X is stronger than the PS4 pro. So whatever we come out with, with the PS five, 
It's going to be stronger than Well, Xbox I think he One needs X. consoles in general, right? Because if, if Microsoft is thinking... I don't thinking, think so. Well, hold on. I mean, let me just at least say why. No, no, I, yeah, well, say I, I'm audience. with you. Yeah. I'm with you. But I, I get what you're saying. But I think in his idea is if both of the leading hardware manufacturers in terms of pushing the technological envelope on a console, because we, like, we can't bring in PC because it's, it's, there is it's no cap, too, yeah. and you can't bring in Nintendo because they've been behind technologically for four generations now. Maybe I don't. I mean, because it goes back to GameCube. Well, GameCube was weaker than Xbox, but the GameCube was more powerful, powerful than, than PS2. PS2. That's what I'm saying. About. It, so, it, it, yeah. yeah, go back to GameCube is like, and then after GameCube, well, basically. and the 64 was weaker than the PS1 in some ways, and then it well, better yeah, in I was other ways. Say, depends on what you're talking, what game you're talking about. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, and it just depends on what you're talking about. But I mean, I guess technically, you say it had more raw power, but it didn't show it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you think about it that way. Uh, Nintendo's not been necessarily synonymous with pushing the technological envelope. They no. just never have. See, though, I, I am curious because when it like in this generation right now, you can say that the Xbox One X is more powerful than the PS4, yep. and mean it, and it's yep. true. Who is still selling more consoles? Oh yeah, that, this that's is a, a thing. Yeah, and and of course the Switch with its lack of power is still it's doing still incredibly selling, well. Yeah, it. I think the Switch is going to outpace the Xbox One by the by the end of this year or next. I think it's possible. Highly. Um, my thing is is that. We, and I hate using this term, you know what I already almost say, probably power ceiling. But here we go with the next generation. It's not going to be much more different than this generation. Is it going to be worth an extra $400 to shell out for the console? Maybe not for some people. Maybe it is for some. I know we'll be early adopters. But the thing is, is that we're not going to be able to see immediate return on this investment we make. Maybe and not. It, and it, I don't think and we'll see it I drastically. Get, I do get where you're coming from. We need but features. a lot of it, and, and this is going to tie back into the world end thing that I was getting to, is if both of these head manufacturers who are known for being the two that kind of push the power envelope more, uh, and Sony is really known for pushing the power envelope. They've always been. I mean, the, you know, uh, the PS3, for all of its faults and the fact that it had problems, it still put out amazing looking games like Uncharted and, you know, Uncharted 3 and The Last of Us. These are games that still look good today. Still perform games worse than 360, though, due to that RAM, which was. Yeah, uh, multi platform games. Which is what generally be, performed worse. He may be referencing that as well, too. But what I think he's getting at, and, and I get it, I, I really do get this if this is his general idea. If both of these console manufacturers that are really trying to push technology and push the technological edge, if they're both thinking about backwards compatibility so much and trying to cram that feature in with the necessary hardware to make that possible, then that means that they're cutting costs from something else that could be going to push into console more to where essentially the idea is that the console will be lesser than it could have for the same price because of the I don't want to word it as the. I want to say it's it, because think, it's 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 including a feature that is not used by all. Exactly. Whereas otherwise, everybody who had the console has this same limit of what you can hit power wise, and it's higher than it would have otherwise been. If they're trying to say we're trying to make a PS5 for five hundred dollars, we're going to go up. We're going to make it five hundred dollars, but seventy five dollars or fifty dollars of that is going to be dedicated to this chipset that makes sure it, it can run the these other things. VR. Yeah. That's the thing, though. And, and, and what, I'm wrong. I agree with you. I'm on that. I, I state, on that front. There's, there's but more. VR, if v, I'm trying to think of how I want to word that. VR, at least in some ways, is at least a new frontier. It's an advancement. Whereas backwards compatibility it's is not, just exact peering opposite. back into the past. Yeah. Now, in the statement with you, I think I'd agree with your. I think you'd agree with this that I do see a very big importance at making it easily accessible to see gaming's history. I mean, yeah, see, and that's the thing that 
there there have been and I, I I see a lot of people saying like I don't want backwards compatibility keep it on my system. It's the same that you use with the VRME. You, mm-hmm. you get it and it doesn't affect you or you're not going to use it. It's not going to affect you as much. It's as a wasted it feature for you. And I don't think I, I do think that with the way that we see these patents with whether it is what looks to be like multiple processors. I don't think that's going to take away from any of the power of the console. You already got it. Like, it, well, it, it that, that's what I'm getting. At. It would just take away from, you know, let's just say that they spend $50 on that second processor. And then I'll let you finish. I just want to make sure that you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. But you know, that $50 could have been used to make the main processor that's made for PS5 even better, only yeah. even better. Yeah. So it would technically speaking, Take away from how that. much is that fifty dollars going to get you in terms of power? I, I, I honestly don't know because I don't you, understand tech. I, mean, even, I don't understand that side of tech. Even then, though, it definitely because fifty dollars. Yeah, fifty dollars goes a lot further in manufacturing than it does right. buying us because there's bulk discounts but, on a yeah, ton of things. So. Bulk discounts, partnerships with companies, uh, contracts, and everything. Yeah. The thing is, though, is I don't foresee fifty dollars doing much at all per single chip. I yeah. will challenge you that because I'll, I'll challenge you that by one thing. Have you ever seen a $50 CPU versus or a $50 more expensive CPU versus a, or a, versus a $50 returns on investment or, worse. or a $50 uh, higher graphics card versus another returns one? on investment are often worse. What do you mean by that? Meaning that the extra $50 Visible. you spent is not worth the amount of money you spent to get the somewhat better results of what you would have saved. Okay, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. So do you believe that? Because if you believe it on the PC side of $50... Absolutely. Let's just say that on manufacturing side, right? It's it's and it's, this it's, is, it's and I don't know, obviously. Yeah, I don't know if this is true, but let's just say $50 on manufacturing side is, is, equal, is equal to $100 as a consumer product. Now, that would be gains there. That's what I'm getting at. If that's so, what it would be. And, even, and I don't know if it's true. That's just a that's just a hypothetical. And I mean, obviously, fifty dollars in manufacturing is worth way more than what we get for fifty dollars on the yeah, consumer exactly. end. But, but it, we don't know how much. Those are those exactly. are specs that like it's it's a it's a it's a dead end argument because you don't you can't sure. prove on either side. Yeah. My whole thing is is that when you look at it and you have, it takes roughly a eight hundred to two thousand dollar gaming PC. I mean, two thousand twelve hundred dollar gaming PC to emulate PS three. Yeah. You're gonna tell me, and that, that that gaming PC alone can play games better than this gen. Yeah, at 60 frames per second, in most or some cases 1440p or 4K. Yep. Which I know 1440p doesn't mean much on a console because monitors and such, but I think it should still be an option. But you're gonna tell me that that kind of power is not enough for the next PS5 because those PCs can emulate PS3s. It may be rough. For them to do so, and it may—I I just think that the way cell architecture and they're emulating it as well. I think that if Sony does a good enough job doing this patent the way they they think that they will, I don't think it's going to take much more power than what we're already going to have. Because here's the thing: you're not multitasking on a PS5. You're 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 you are a little bit, but not to the same extent as on not, a PC. Not playing two games at once. Yeah, I, I, I mean, get your point. So here's the thing: I'm saying that you're always multitasking to an extent because well, a lot of people will put like Netflix in, to sleep in the background, and that's why the system automatically limits one gig of RAM. Well, who's specifically to, for who's background to processing? Say that the PS5 CPU alone sure. cannot emulate PS3 if not done right. I mean, we on, on, nobody we we don't know that because we well, don't know what the PS5 CPU is going to be based around chipset wise. Exactly. So this is all us talking as a shot I'm in the dark. About, yeah, as a complete shot in the dark. I think that the specs of the PS5 for what we're going to see are going to be, like I said, fifty fifty on most people. It's going to be, do I want to spend four hundred dollars to get an extra ten to fifteen average frames per second with higher resolutions? 
you're not getting much more for some people. You know, it, this is once again. There, there will be more than that, but I think I get what you're saying. The not well, not, uh, not enthusiast. I'm talking about 50-50 in terms of yourself. Yeah. Like, I, do I, I, I want to get, get this system because of these reasons? Yeah. And this is all hypothetical. My whole thing is, is that you're going to have, if with this patent right here, with the way phrasing of multiple CPUs, mm-hmm. and well, from what we're seeing, if it's strong enough to be able to even spoof multiple CPUs like that, what really are we losing? I mean, I don't know because See, I'm not it's, a, I'm not a console like, that's like architect. It. So yeah, you don't even like speculating. I don't even like or, speculating because whatever. it's dead end no matter what. Each side has a counter argument that is the perfect match to the argument itself. Well, and see, realistically, and, it's it's us, you know, waxing poetic or whatever about something that essentially probably could be answered by somebody who actually works on this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So and I mean, if you work for Sony or you know, if you are a console manufacturer of any kind, let us know how like <laughs> incorrect we are. Just from it, just it doesn't. It doesn't, to me, take the time of day. For me, this is more of a feature that if it's included, it's automatically worth the entry fee because it is a feature that many, many people have been on the fence about with PS4 wanting this kind of feature that Xbox currently has. And then I think that it's going to be a game changer for a lot. Do you know why? Biggest reason. How many people had PS3s who went to PS4? Say say million. How many Hmm. people had Xbox 360s that went to PS4? Say three or four million. I mean, I don't know well, about that, but just, I get your point. But there again, was a big enough jump from there was a bigger jump from Xbox 360 to PS4 than there was from PS3 to PS4 in my mind. Right? I don't agree with that. You don't think so? If you're talking about at launch, no, I don't agree with that. I'm not talking about at launch. I'm talking about now. With, no, with, even with in this, general. I mean, I would say that majority of PS4 fans were, would realistically be longtime Sony fans, but there is a sizable chunk of people who came over for the first wait, time. I just, to realize, an Xbox. I just not realized I phrased From my Xbox. I phrased my comparison wrong. <laughs> okay. I was I, like, wait, how does he I'm saying, okay. The amount of people who have played PS3 games who went to PS4, say a million. The amount of P, Xbox 360 owners who went to PS4 who have played PS3 games, half a million. Oh. Yeah, the amount of people who have currently have a PS4. Yeah, because jumping half, consoles means that backwards compatibility is pointless to them anyway. No, it means that they can go back and experience all those games. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. As owners of previous games. Yeah. Backwards compatibility is still important to them as the ability I mean, to and buy and play. I wouldn't even say useless. I would say that it's, it's less, less hitting for them. Yeah. yeah. Because there are plenty of people yeah. that have hit uh, PS4 with that are from 360 who missed out on Demon Souls or... Um, and it's kind of hard nowadays with all these remakes which, yeah, and remasters and whatnot. yeah, but there are in, in speaking of PS one and PS two games, I mean, know, infamous one, infamous two, maybe you didn't, there play you go those. right there. Bam. Those still haven't been remade. Maybe you yet. didn't play uh, Killzone one or two or resistance one, two or three or, you know, do there's so many, there's so much gold to be had that like there, there would never be a real lull. I think in Sony's market, if this ever happens, at least for uh, me, there's not a lull in Sony's market right now. Ah, uh, well you get, you get to like the three or four weeks before red dead. What do we have? Like, or I say three or four weeks, about a month or two, which yeah. is still three or four. I mean, weeks, there's so still plus a lot going on, but five or six. I get your point. Yeah, no, like I don't think I think that there's just you offer this kind of variety to someone. I really don't think like the power we're going to be hitting would be taken away from something like this if built if built correctly. And I think that they would go into mind building correctly. You could still argue that it existing in the console would take away power. Same argument for PSVR. It's going to potentially take away the power that that new chipset in the console that's using VR yep. is going to use. And Well, a little and a little not. It's going to be money of having to put the chipset in that tells the VR what to do. Right. Well, yeah, cost, I don't, of, cost of value. Yeah, cost of 
well, really, cost, cost, of cost of manufacturing. Well, no, uh, I'm saying cost to performance. Yeah, yeah, because the cost of manufacturing would affect that on the VR side. Uh, but, I, you know, I guess the argument still comes from the fact that VR is, is still mostly new games, our games being given to you in an entirely different, not just like Xbox One X Enhanced or something like that, where it's, right. which I'm wrong, it's a cool feature. I'm not, but, the, the but it's essentially classics. playing the same game slightly prettier. Uh, whereas VR, if they remake a game in VR, you're playing it with a whole new perspective. You know what I mean? And see, one of, my, uh, one of the biggest cool things about this to me is that we're just talking about exclusives that 360 players missed out on PS3. Do you know how many Harry Potter games, Spider-Man games, um, just multiple game series that have been multi-platform yeah, throughout yeah, tr- the yeah. years of PS2 and Xbox and you know PS3 and Xbox 360 that you can go back and replay? Like that aren't exclusives. Like if they get the rights to put these in there, you can replay them easily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to have all these systems because like that's, and I keep, I've said it before. I want to go to where I just need one console for everything. And I, I'd like to have a console on a PC. I don't need anything else right now. That's kind of what I have. I have a switch, which counts in there. Cause it's a handheld for me. Yeah. But I, I want to be able, and when the PS five comes out, I don't want to have to sell my PS three. I have to, I would like to keep my PS Four. Four. Yeah. yeah. Cold medicine. And be able to still play the games that I want to play. But I would like to be able to sell my PS4 and get the PS5, knowing that I can play those games still on my PS5. Yeah, I mean, and that's an understandable argument. Um, I mean, and I think it makes more sense for people who are making the jump early on. I honestly think... Yeah, early adopters are the ones that would benefit out of it the most. I'm not going to say the most. Well, I was going to say, and what's even better is that the later adopters, three or four years down the line, are also going to benefit out of it just about the same because they're coming back to play all these other games that they didn't play on PS4. Because honestly, I guess I'm going to retract my statement a little bit about early adopters. It's just it's going to be one more notch about why it's easy for you to do it. But if you're already going to be I mean, somebody who's going to early adopt a console and deal with the potential problems they may have, or at least the lack of games they may have, the benefit that I saw in my mind was any game that continues to come out. Like, so let's just say that Destiny they, Two. Let's just say no, they pull a, a God of War Two, right? Where a, a PS4 exclusive comes out after the PS5 already la- uh, launches, like what happened with P- PS2, God of War 2 being a PS2 exclusive, even though PS3 had been out for a year. Um, but, yeah. you know, in that sense, it means that you can still play that game while they're waiting to build the exclusive library up for PS5 if that problem happens. Or even... Because or, that happened on PS4, but it may, you know... With, well, and saying it this way, too, is that as an early adopter, you may be a person that isn't in uh, a great, you know, financial state of life. But they have really good deals to trade in your PS4 to get the PS5. The PS5 As an early has, adopter, yeah. Yeah, and the PS5 has backwards compatibility. Therefore, you trade in your console, which you're kind of trading in a brick to you at that point because you're essentially about to have a new PS4 in a way. Yeah. You're going to be able to play your same games. Yeah, I've got so you. it all comes down to another argument of disk drive versus digital. I think they should all be digital because there, I don't think there's a way to make a disk drive that would be universal through all those. Like PS3, they're all Blu rays. But being able to read through PS2, well, PS2 is not a Blu-ray. PS2 is a DVD, though. Yeah, and you can play DVDs. And but I'm talking about PS1 is the only one in terms of PS4 right now. The PS4, I don't think they'd be able to fit that a, much. There's power a massive a, amount know. of people who don't realize who or don't know that the PS4 can't even play PS1. Can't even play CDs at all. Music CDs. They can't play DVDs without having to download the DVD player app, right? Yeah, I think. I don't you know for sure. A media app, I'm pretty certain. I'm like ninety. No, that's on the that was on the Xbox One that you had to download a, a media app. For, to play DVDs because I remember having that sure? problem. Yeah, I, I'm fairly sure. Uh, I don't think I ever had to download anything for uh, DVDs. But I, to be honest, it could be a problem on both of them. You know what I mean? So, uh, but either way, it's 
I get your point, but they're all disk. So if you make a disk drive that can read them all, then it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And most disk drives can. I mean, do you remember how many people got on the Sony for not having a disk drive that could play 4K Blu-rays on the Pro? You know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I do think it was a missed shot there. I, I mean, I think so too, but what I was already going wanting to get to, and this just helps me segue into it, is that Sony has stats that show them how much people do or don't care about these things. Of course. And so does Microsoft. And even if we want to talk about all the buzz that people give Microsoft around backwards compatibility, they, it's still a woefully underused. You are comparing numbers, though, that are drastically different. You're comparing a one user base with millions and millions and millions of players when you're comparing another one with just millions. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, but they're also two different things. What I was getting at is that, yeah, on the, as far as if we're going to use that as the analog PlayStation, not including the Blu-ray 4k drive is because statistics show that most people who consumed media in general, that wasn't gaming did so streaming on PlayStation. Yeah. So as far as they were concerned, make it to where you can do 4k See, HDR streaming and you're still good. What a lot of people um, don't realize though, is that like that, that isn't exactly what I would call an offer. That's what I would call an incentive. And like what that is, is like whenever I'm going, it's one of those things that you weigh up in your mind that you're not sure you would ever really use, but it would help you kind of coax yourself into a decision. If you were faced with a decision, fair enough, fair enough. I don't like, I would realistically, if I got a brand new 4K TV, like a nice sound bar, and my PS4 played 4K Blu-rays, I would I'd go buy 4K Blu-rays and play those. I don't think I would go buy a 4K Blu-ray player. Yeah, and but I having it as an extra feature in a console. If I was does, if I was coming down to like if I was even like, if you only use it four times. Well, I was, you know, I, was still, in, I was in like let's say if I'm a new gamer and like I want to go and buy the new system, I look up the specs and I'm like Xbox One X versus PS4 Pro. Which one do I want? And then I see a 4K Blu-ray player, and I'm like, well, I have a 4K TV. I'm playing this on, obviously, to take full use out of these mm-hmm. consoles. They're like, I might as well go with that because I can watch all my movies that I can buy on yeah. that instead. Yeah. Even though they may not be used, it's one of those things that a consumer thinks of before when yeah, they're buying. I agree. And I agree. It, it's something to keep in mind. That's uh, And that's something you can't And track, that's what you're saying with backwards hard. compatibility as well, is it's you may not ever use it. Because that's that. I mean, that was what I was going to. Is statistically, most people don't use backwards compatibility anyway. They didn't on PS2. I mean, they didn't on PS3. They don't on Xbox. Which is crazy One. because now I've seen more outcry for backwards compatibility than ever before for consoles. Yeah. And, and it's just that it's that vocal minority thing, or people who are being. And this is what I'm gonna say: people who are like that are describing exactly what you want. People who want the feature, even though in their, even though they may not realize they'll never use it. I mean, you know, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very some real of that, thing. Some of that ties into just general outrage culture and people being mad about everything. Some of it ties into people trying to champion things that they don't even care about or don't involve them. Which I'm not saying care about, but uh, that, that, but that don't involve them. Yeah, that's a weird you know, breed of people. Sometimes people who are like, and I, I don't mean this derogatorily. I mean people who look at other people's plights and go, well, even though I don't have that plight or that plight doesn't affect me because I don't care about that, I don't want those people to have to suffer. So I'm going to fight for backwards compatibility because I want them to be able to play their games. Yeah, there are those people that exist. So I think when you see that, and realistically, I'll, I'll go this far. It's it's people who are definitely in a consumer market like this. It's people who are tr- who are looking at the consumer and going, if that was going to affect me and I didn't have that, that would really piss me off. And that's what they do. It's it's more about the idea of like, if I was in their shoes, how would I feel? So instead, yeah. I'm, I'm going to champion for them this idea, and that's fair, and I get that. And it and there's it's, just, a, it's not something I really agree with in a way. 
I mean, it's like yeah, that's but that's a different conversation for a whole different thing. I guess going back to back, it's well, no, I'm just talking about when you're comparing numbers. Yeah. It's hard to compare on who is saying that because of that reason, and who are saying it because they yeah, want. Yeah, of course, it. we don't know. All we know right. is a percentage of people are really with as far as on our side. What we're seeing is all we're seeing is social media. How many people don't even use social media like you normally? Yeah. You know, you you have Twitter because of the show, right? But prior, before the show, you didn't have social media. I don't have a Twitter. I should specify that. I I help. Partner, me and Brett are partners with the Triangle Square Twitter. Yeah, that's, that's what Twitter. I mean. Yeah. yeah, and I have a personal Twitter that I never get on. Yeah, I don't have a personal. I don't have a personal anything anymore. I don't have a personal Facebook, MySpace, Google Plus. MySpace, Google Plus shut down. I'm fairly positive. No, I shut down like a week. I think from, uh, at least from recording. But yeah, like for me, it's it's one of those things that it's like it's always hard to to gauge because there's people who are saying that we that yeah we should get it, but they're they're not saying they would use it. But then again, yeah. it's one of those things that's. I've seen a lot of people use it. And that but might you, be even something like we could do maybe the day the show airs. Make a poll on Monday saying if backwards compatibility is a thing, would you use it? Yeah. And kind of just gauge the people. Even that from our li- you know, yeah. from our listener base or and see it, obviously it's not going to be an accurate to the overall yeah. uh, user of base course. of the console, be, but it'd yeah. be interesting to see because I think that it's it's always a feature a fallback feature. And I like calling them that because for everybody it's a fallback feature. Plan, you know, you may not have, you know, but Ten or fifty dollars to play. Well, hey, maybe that Harry Potter game from your childhood is is on the market, and hey, there might be a lull in gaming right now. There might be something to play. Kind of like now, in a weird way, for some people, if they're not playing Kingdom Hearts, you're waiting for Anthem, or um, or if you're not playing Resident Evil, you're waiting for Anthem. If you're not waiting for Anthem, you're not really waiting for a whole lot right now, like Crackdown Three, I guess. So, Far Cry New Dawn, I mean, yeah. the Metro Exodus. There's, a, there's actually, I would actually argue against from, you in the fact that the first three months of this year, January, January. Is, the, January is the one month. That's that what I'm you saying. From, a, back from Christmas up until February. Yeah, because you have there's a month weeks and a in half. a row. You have Ace Combat, Resident Evil 2, and then Kingdom Hearts 3. That's a pretty wide spread. It is a pretty wide so spread. So I would say that most people probably had at least one game that they were excited for. I would I, 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 I say I most say, people. Yeah, that's probably unfair. But a lot of people had at least one game that they were excited for in January. But February is loaded. Even then, like May. You know, we don't know what's out yet, but say May doesn't have any games coming out. Sure. Similar to January for some people, a very low amount of people, I'm sure. But, you know, th- this could fall back on to like, you know what? And I actually did this. I, and it's, I'm telling a story that I'm trying to like make a hypothetical thing out of it, and I actually did it. And I didn't even think about it until now. I downloaded Bounty Hunter, the Star Wars PS2 game, the PS2 classic <laughs> game on PS4. Yeah. Because it was during a time... Which was funny. It was right before I started trophy hunting, which is one of the reasons why I started trophy hunting because there was a lull in gaming and we had nothing to do. So I started playing Titan Souls. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to start trophy hunting with uh, besides Bloodborne. But I downloaded Bounty Hunter and I played five or six hours of that. I didn't even like get too far into it. And I was like, this is so fun. And then, of course, started trophy hunting. But it's, it's one of those things. It's like if this was a, a, a thing that I could fall back onto constantly, I would always have a game to play because there's always games from my childhood or always games from like my teenage years or always games from 10 years ago. I couldn't even play or in, or in this current time. climate where we get so many games, there's games on PS4 that exist that you don't even know about that. You haven't played. Of course. Like, I still want to go grab uh, what is it called? It just came out on the switch. It's like advanced wars. War groove. Yeah. War groove. I still want to go Orgroove. I still want to get Resident Evil 7. So, yeah, I still want to get Resident Evil 7, but Resident Evil 2 more so. 
it's just it's hard. Uh, but I will say that when that wall comes and there's a feature for me to fall back on, and I know I'm not the only one like this. I know there's a yeah, uh, no, I uh, get it because like okay, give me a, I'll give you a slight analog to to what you're talking about there, and then we can kind of roll down out of this. But yeah, I, I get your point, and I mean if we're going to take something like backwards compatibility and go back to that analog of Blu-ray 4K player being in the system. Uh, you know, I didn't care for the longest time because I'm really not a big movie person. But now that I've bought this 4K OLED, you want to see what it looks like. I only want to. I only want a 4K Blu-ray player for one day just to see what my TV's max potential is. You never seen John Wick, have you? No, that would be the one to get. Okay. Well, anyway, my my point being is that I, I'm with you, and I understand that I did have that thought flow through my head of like, it's not a feature I would really use often. But, but it you could know, be something that could evolve into that, though. Yeah, you, you also think about that, and that's been some of that. So one of the things is that, of course, I had that first day. I was like, I wish I had a 4K uh, UHD with, with HDR so I could just see this thing cracked out at max. Uh, but even then, I just went to Netflix and popped on um, – the, the first episode and watch like the first 20 minutes of yeah, altered carbon rip data and boy i was like oh this is so good rip data yeah so you know it was one of those things where i was like this is crazy but i still want to see it on a disc because streaming still has you're still streaming you're still dealing with yeah. a lesser you know your bit rates worse your yeah. compression's worse you get exactly. uh, the crushed blacks i can't think of what that's called right now and actually no that's um, not been a problem on that tv i was actually because it doesn't have the backlight and it normally a, leads for, to that. for somebody who doesn't have a 1300 oled yes that's i know always a problem with but streaming. my point being is that when you do something like that i did have that thought float in my head and then actually thinking forward about like well this was a big investment but what can i do with this tv me and Hannah don't really get to go to the movies a lot, but we want to have as close to a movie experience there as possible. Go. That would be if it. I had a 4K Blu-ray player in my PlayStation. Exactly. Then I could, you know, and I'm planning on moving stuff around in the game room anyway. So when you think about it that way, it would give me the ability to use that TV, which is big and has deep blacks, which is exactly what you get from a projector. That's why people go to the movies. Actually, answering Richard's question, if he hears this from in the Discord earlier, he said, "Why do people go to the movies?" Well, because most people don't have a TV that gives true black. No, he wasn't. Blacks. He wasn't really answering a question. I mean, I, I asked him a question. He's I know, but he was—he's like me. I hate going to the movies. Yeah, don't be wrong. I, I don't enjoy waste, going to the movies. Time. But he he said it in a smart way of like, why would you? Well, there are actually pretty compelling reasons. Massive screen that is. most people don't jalapeno, have. Jalapeno popcorn <laughs> with the cheesy salt and the butter. But yeah, I did that same thing in my mind where I was like, I could essentially giant make cherry coke. I could essentially make a small for just me and Hannah, or maybe me and you know, if, if a friend wanted to come over and be like, you haven't watched this movie yet, but we're gonna watch it. You know, pop, boy, I got pop, I got list upon list for you. Yeah, pop surround sound in. You know, like have surround sound in the room after I change it all around, and then have that TV and blackout curtains everywhere, and to give you a, essentially as close to a a theater experience is ever going to get. And I think that that's essentially what you have. Uh, so yeah, forward thinking, there is something about that. There is a nice thing to it. I think for most consumers, even like me, it doesn't stop me from doing what, anything. What, what's crazy. But like you said, that fallback feature is nice. So I'm with you. I'm not against backwards compatibility. I just think I always see, and this is maybe even to a fault. I always see both sides of everything. I can see why Sony might not want to, but I also think it's unfair to say that Sony hasn't cared about backwards compatibility because as a I've company, they have say that though. Historically, they have more often than not. I've yet to see somebody say that. Oh, I, oh man, I guess I just, I, I must see the wrong I must parts jump of Twitter. On Twitter at the wrong times. I guess I will say though, that when you, there are people that have said that and they're definitely, and don't, this is a wrong group of people to be, uh, 
I guess the, the group that you'd go to look at for everybody. But I mean, definitely it's, it's another one of those things that those people who are part of the console wars try to fling at Sony. It's like, Oh, they don't even care about backwards oh, well, that, compatibility. That sense, you know, that's a but... different group of people though. And those are people that are looking for an attack. Yeah. They may not even care about it as much as they're looking for well, something if, that's a weakness if, if, if or conceived as a weakness. Backwards compatibility. It's game over, man. Game over for who? Who do you think? Say it, Saul. Xbox. <laughs> No, I, hate, I hate the word X-Bot, like an X-Bot. Yeah. Just like I, I hate Sony ponies. But yeah. everybody, Look, everybody th- should love video gaming regardless. This isn't about console wars. We're, we're I all love, good. I love Xbox games just like Brett does. He loves Forza and Sea of Thieves. Oh, yeah. Both fun games. Yeah. I don't I know love, if I'd say I love Sea of Thieves, but I enjoy my I time on it. Yeah. As I, I, I love my experience with Sea of Thieves. Exactly. That's what I would say. I don't even know that I love the game as much as I love the ability it gives me to play and just have fun with people. Destiny 2. <laughs> I think I might agree with that. Well, thank so, you guys. Uh, for yeah, joining. let us know your thoughts on uh, on backwards compatibility if you would like to see it in the PS5. What you think this patent means? If it, is it just a patent that they're trying to do just to have the ability to put it in if they decide they want to? Uh, you know. Oh, new question: If you could have a PS5A with the exact same specs as what it would be coming out without VR, or would and it has VR built in, or would you rather have B that has a backwards compatibility built in. Which one would you rather have? Oh, if it came down granted, to just those two? Granted, this would be the same spec regardless of what you picked. Okay. And it would be if it came out with it came out with those not included. Yeah, you would just be... I get your point. So yeah. which, if, if it came down to Sony saying, well, you know, not that this would ever happen. compatibility, which one would you pick? And the, the, the console wouldn't be any less or more powerful anyway. Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah, good question. Let us know in the comments below. If you don't have YouTube or you're not watching on there, hit us up on our Discord, which we did not mention if you like that. Uh, it's, the link is in the description below for that channel. You can That's hit us up on Facebook uh, or be. on Twitter. So you know what? Because they still aren't up for episode 96. Saw <laughs> slacking. That's my fault. About to make me put the shoe back in the closet. Howdy. Uh, you know what? I think that this is the end of this episode. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, uh-oh, Travis Below, The Stonard, Blake Popes, and we also have Mr. Stephen Swanland, and another new one that I'm trying to go and remember his name right my now. <laughs> my boy Stephen. Uh, and we have a new patron as well that his name is escaping me and I need to go update this page right now. But you know what? You know who you are and we're going to fix that. You'll be on next episode. This is all done live in real time. Uh, but we love you anyway. Brett's pointing into the camera. I'm just not recording video. Because I'm so used to looking at the camera. Until next time, this has been Triangle Square.